Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I don't like blood and guts. But I love them when they're lengthily discussed. episode of the spring king fling and we are officially in spring <gasps> spring has sprung spring has sprung so we're um we're more um coming out like a lamb than coming in like a lion is that what you're saying we're springing forward like a lamb to the slaughter Oh, no. I guess that's what's to be expected in the Spring King Fling. That's right. Listen, I'm Matt Gorley. And I'm Paul Rust. And here's what we do. This is with Gorley and Rust. Yes. We take horror movies, slasher movies, thrillers, and an occasional crawl or Mr. Mom. We'll see. Uh, and we talk at length about them in a cozy cast of an easy listening experience that, that you and yours can sidle up to the Sono speaker and sit in your comfy chairs by the fireplace and listen in on the conversation. <laughs> Beautiful. That's true. And uh, hey, we always have one guarantee. The talk is longer than the movie. movie. Now, we've never said that before in no. the previous episode, but it's always true. Yeah. It's usually, has it ever not been true? Have the we only ever time we even ever came close and we still were longer than the <laughs> runtime of the movie was when we had to do... The nadir of our podcasting experience when I goofed up and we lost Alien versus Predator Requiem and we had to re-record oh, that. Oh, that's right. I think we still squeezed an hour, 45 minutes out of it, so we were longer than the movie. But having to talk about that movie twice was double trouble. Double trouble is right. But you know what isn't double trouble? This podcast mm -hmm. and us getting to talk about... Uh, Ooh, m -m 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 maximum overdrive. Maximum overdrive. This is not. This is maximum overdrive, not minimum underwalk. So, 
<laughs> if you're looking for that podcast, go somewhere else. The the phraseology that I've been thinking about as I was doing this, and I was going to maybe do a funny poster, but I uh, lost the nerve. Was it was going to be maximum overbite, and I was going to put little butt teeth on everybody <laughs> on the goblin on the Happy uh, Toys truck. Oh my god, he's going to bite me with his overbite butt teeth. <laughs> go, go. Yeah, he's just a funny gober. He's or, yeah, he's a goofy. <laughs> So um, here's some business. We have a oh Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get feature length commentaries, mailbag episodes, draft, and tournament bracket style episodes for cozy films. That'll make yes. sense at some point. Too, yeah, no, if you're a new listener. Perfect sense. Yeah. Um, oh, also, I heard that. Um, I don't know if this is true, but I heard in like lockdown, Goofy got um, dental work done. Disney Goofy? Yeah, on his overbite. And really? it's like, I hope Goofy's not pulling a Jennifer Gray situation oh, where he gets cosmetic gonna... surgery or something done and then it changes his essence. Yeah, so he went from his overbite to an underbite. He, he went did? to, he thought maybe doing a full 180 would be. But I think it's kind of cute though when dogs have those little underbites. Like a pug? Yeah. Yeah. Lucky dog, lucky dog, I'm a lucky dog. <laughs> a little sling blade dog. What? A little sling blade dog. Oh, oh, no, that was a commercial, but that is what that is. Yeah. French fried kibble. <laughs> Stupid. French fried kibble. Oh. oh. Uh, now, if only there were a jib jab in the late 90s. Uh, we could have got that. Remember that episode where while we were recording, I tried to do a jib jab of us, but jib jab has changed where you have to like pay for it now? <laughs> How much? Who's paying for jib jab? <laughs> I mean, I, I think everything, every service that provides something of value should earn sure. its, its but worth. Jib jab? Jib jab? Jib jab in this day and age? Come on. In this economy? Oh, my God. All right. Another thing we like to do just at the top is anybody that yes. subscribes to Patreon at the highest level, which is a baby xenomorph, gets to have your name read on the podcast. And yeah. if you haven't had your name read and are, in fact, a xenomorph, this has to be. You have to actually be one. And thanks to y'all who do, yeah, the, who do the big Patreon. thanks. This is our thank you to you. You can email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com with your name, and we'll read it. So here we go. Here's just a handful. Tim Riley. Uh, <laughs> Michael Flores. Now this gets, sorry if I stall, because some people have specifics, like they want a different name or something red. Maybe I if see. you could just put it in the subject. That's good. Because that, that way I don't I have. I thought the second person's name was, uh. That, uh. Yeah, that's a cool name. Um, And... Now, Not. That would be a weird name. <laughs> uh, come on. And that long? No. This fellow wants to abdicate his name reading to his seven-month-old daughter, Ivy B. Bruce. Aww. I have an aunt named Ivy. Hmm. Ivy B. Bruce? Ivy B. Bruce. And you have an aunt, Ivy? Ivyetta. Yeah, but she goes by Ivy. I once saw an aunt crawling up some Ivy once. But, this is uh, some kind of weird shit. It's all connected. Oh, my God. Um, Aaron Crabtree. Uh, there's two more. Uh, oh, Michael Lord of the Sith. And finally, uh, he would, uh, this fellow would also like his young ones shouted out. Sophia, 
aka Sofa, Sopa Pia, the Darling, and Rowan, aka Robot Reboot and Buddy. All right, business is handled. Hey, that's great. Um, also, hey, um, as long as that guy when he said uh, Lord of Synth, um, some buddies of mine made a really funny uh, Adult Swim infomercial that was called the lords of synth so if people want to just check that oh. out just remind me i just thought i'd give a shout out to that it. it's really like great yeah two up up both my alleys <laughs> up and back down my alley wait i did forget to mention that we have new merchandise <gasps> the spring king fling image yes. is up on red bubble red um gorley and rust dot red i don't know it's in the show notes check it out <laughs> <laughs> done by minds truly you, you did the art. I guess I did, but you know, I'm just cobbling shit together. It's no major feat. Yeah. There's some funny jokes in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're three. How are you feeling about the Spring King Fling? I'm loving three. it Me so too. far. I'm it's just really fun. It. It's yeah. been really fun. And yeah, it's our, we only had three uh, Dino De Laurentiis, Stephen King, Collabos. Isn't this crazy? And we had them all up front, all three. This is like when we did the one-offs and all yours came up first and all mine came in the second half. There's always a little goocher. Ooh. A goocher. And I learned the term goocher from Stand By Me, written by Stephen King. Right. It's a goocher. Yeah. That's funny because I learned that from Stand By Me, but only in that context because I always knew it as the bully of Arnold Jackson in different strokes. The gooch. Oh my God. Yeah. And now we have two episodes in a row where we talk about the bullies and different strokes. Because remember, That's right. I talked about Danny Cooksey <laughs> oh, yeah. saying, oh, we'll buzz away. Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So, um, yeah. Oh, uh, so yeah, to answer your question, I'm feeling really good about it so far. How about you? Uh, super good. It is crazy that not only is it the three Dino D's up front, mm-hmm. but wouldn't you say they're in not descending order of quality necessarily, but you could maybe say that, but just tone from very serious and subtle to Whoa. outright batshit. I had thought about the, um, yes, about how they do kind of perfectly arc from serious to semi-serious, silly to yeah. silly yeah. or whatever words you want to use. Uh, but also it's, Sequential. It's chronological. Oh, shit. Triple goochers. Man, we're being gooched. (laughs) Gooched. This would make a pretty good triple feature. Yeah. The the Dino D. Stephen Kings. Right. And he did two others. We're just not covering them. It's Firestarter and then I always forget. (gasps) That's right. Uh, Cat's Eye. Cat's Eye. I believe. I think it's Cat's Eye. And Cat's Eye is really great, too. Both I've never seen Firestarter. Drew Barrymore joints, right? That's Drew right. Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore, Stephen King, Dino D joints. <sighs> Do you shop at Drew Barrymore? I used to. Okay. You don't have to answer. You may plead the fifth. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, 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 what is the other sort of... Um, Future connectos, if we're if we're going down that route, yeah, please do. Reminding me, because I've seen the mist, which we're about to, we're eventually going to watch yes. in the next seven movies. Real quick, are we going to do color or black and white on that? Ooh, you can think about it. Dealer's choice. Shit. <laughs> uh, uh, 
kind of a siege movie. Yes. A group of people right. all trapped in one location right. with right. Uh, something outside that they yeah. gotta face off with. And uh 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 Christine with the cars. Cujo's kind of a siege and movie. And then too, that was yeah. what I was gonna say. Cujo is a siege movie too, or it's but it's two people with a thing with a dog roaming around it. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the um more just connective thematic tissue and not Stephen mm. King going like where do you take a plot oh you you don't think this you is put a, characters into one location and have the monsters surround them <laughs> you don't think this is a universe goocher of any kind just bringing it all together like the comet of Rhea 7 or whatever it is in this that's the the gases of Rhea 7 making this happen <laughs> hey look I truly Believe in the gases of Rio <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I but, believe uh, in the gases of Rio Seven. I don't even know if it's called Rio Seven. Uh, so this movie, yeah, to speak of that, it takes place in 87. This movie came out in 86. So it's a movie that dares to foretell the future. And a real uh, certifiable future that you can fact check in a matter of a year. I love that. Oh, yeah. Like, by the time you're watching this on video, you can be like, no, that didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know how it's on video, you're like, no. It's so big when, like, the Back to the Future future date hit or whatever it was. Just 1987, everybody's like, it's Maximum Overdrive Day. Let's celebrate. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Goochers, you know, the movie, it's June 19th, 1987. June 19th, 1999 is when Stephen King was hit by the car. Really? Yeah. That is a goocher. Um, But the, uh, uh, so yeah, it dares to foretell the future, but it's also like in 86, that was when Healy's Comet. Yeah. So I don't know if they were just like, we're not going to be hack and just do a Healy's Comet said movie, but it was kind of there for the taken. But maybe it's yeah. more interesting to say, oh, you're in the tail of it for eight days. Yeah. And it's green. And it's weird that the tail is just a cloud that surrounds the earth, like because a comet's always moving. Look, it's like a contrail for a comet. It's yeah, like what they're in, right? But it doesn't look like that. And look, <laughs> let's get this out. I love this movie. I, I adore I loved it. it too. Um, but we're gonna nitpick the shit out of it of because course. that's what a movie like this desires. Yes. It needs because that's the fun of watching a movie like this. Yes. It's not a good movie. Even Stephen King will say that. Yeah, Stephen King so, called it a moron movie. Y- yeah. <laughs> That's what he That's, called it. I, I wouldn't disagree. And uh, yeah, to to uh, watch and to talk about Maximum Overdrive is to have fun with it. Absolutely. So uh, uh, so this is all in good fun. Anytime we're nitpicking, uh, but that was my first thought about the movie with like twenty twenty five minutes left, uh, and it's kind of like one of the three experiences you can have watching a horror movie that are really fun and uh, that by the end i was like oh all in all this movie just wants to have a good time it is oh oh and it that it's innocent fun yes that there's really no malice in the kills no who's killed there's no ugliness in the worldview it's a cartoon for yeah. sure yeah yeah so it's just yes Innocent fun. Yeah. And uh, hey, why not? I had Yardley Smith on I Was There Too, and she was the same about it. She's just like, oh, this movie's batshit crazy, but we had Did a she good time. talk specifically about M.O.? Uh, yeah. M.O.D.? Yeah. 
Uh, and only that. Oh, no, no. Because we talked about Billie Jean. We talked about- She's and Billie- Oh. Oh, no. The legend okay, of Billie okay. Jean. Sorry. <laughs> God, that's like when someone name drops and goes like, you know, me and, me and oh, Frank. Oh, me and Bobby. Yeah. Me and Bobby D were on the set of Showtime. Oh, no. I was talking about Bobby Brown. Me and Frank Sinatra? No. Um, Mancuso Frank Jr. Stallone. Stallone. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, and then she was also in City Slickers. I think we talked about that too. Yep. Maybe I'll, you know. She gets pregnant. Part of being a Patreon subscriber. Well, and Bruno Kirby wonders when Daniel Stern had sex with her, what did he use for protection? Paper or plastic? Oh, boy. What? Obviously plastic. Wait, paper. <laughs> sorry. Jesus. Uh, part of being a Patreon subscriber is we put little bonus things up there. And that is a, you know, the, as I was, I was there too, they're all behind a Stitcher paywall. And uh, I think I believe I have the rights to put them up on Patreon. So maybe I'll throw that Yardley Smith on up there. And obviously we That's talk good. about The Simpsons too. Yeah. For- well, and I was going to say, you got to, uh, yeah, uh, make sure our people got to check that out. The, the maximum even done, talk. Did I do? I might have done two episodes with her. I forget. But what we do is, you know, sometimes they go up there for every Patreon subscriber. Occasionally, you know, if you're a baby uh, Freddy, mm-hmm. they'll show up. Baby Freddy and above. Oh, sometimes just right. a xenomorph. Yes. So those that uh, not to penalize those that don't subscribe at the highest levels you are free to do what you want and we appreciate your subscription in any way Mm -hmm. but to to reward those that have been so kind yeah yeah well said yeah um and yes yardley smith is most known uh, as the voice of uh (laughs) sorry who's that it's me the emperor your mom (laughs) oh i see God, Marge, are you okay? No! What's wrong? I'm sick. What's, what do you have? Meningitis. <laughs> Mangitis. Meningitis. Oh, sorry, meningitis. That's... But also meningitis. Oh, no. Lisa, you remind me of the woman cocooned on the wall in Aliens. Do you want me to kill you? Sorry, I called you Lisa. Kill me. Okay. Kill me, Lisa. Okay, here you go. Here you go. Here's a um, a Dr. Kevorkian euthanasia kit. I'm not going to hook it up, but you do it. You're not going to use the flame thrower. No, I don't know. I can't. I can't. Sorry. Here's a Bic lighter. Maybe it'll take a while. But Where'd you get this Bic lighter? From a Bic truck? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Maximum Overdrive? I'm Here's baby's first flamethrower from the Happy Toys truck with the scariest face for a toy truck on it. <gasps> bye bye. Bye. <laughs> uh, uh, Marge is uh, <laughs> Marge is not happy in that Marge. situation. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's. Do you think? I know the Simpsons never age, but if they did, they'd they'd be dying soon. Marge and Homer. <laughs> Isn't that sad to think? Yeah, right. So the 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 show hit in '89, right? And they were in their mid 30s. Okay, so no, they're not dead yet. Sorry, they've got. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> That's their comedy specials. <laughs> not dead. For their they're comeback so, specials. They're in their mid 60s, mid to late 60s. Um, I mean, Homer doesn't take good care of himself, though. That's true. So they're in their mid 60s, and Homer doesn't take good care of himself. 
Homer may be dead. Homer may have died of like a yeah heart disease. I mean, we've seen in the, the it's it's canon. He's had heart surgery before. And Bart's what probably mid forties. Hmm. I mean, I guess they've done plenty of like future episodes, so we do know what happens to Bart. Well, he tries to get his sister, who's president, to legalize it. Oh yeah, that's right. Someone already did. Yeah. Way to go, America. You're putting this, flushing this whole country down the toilet <laughs> with your TH. You know what I call it? TH crap. That's what the C stands for. Uh, anyway, I just, I don't like the Dude Where's My Car movie. I think it's just a bad influence on kids. <laughs> Bold stance. Oh, stone. Just be a stoner. You'll get your car back the next day. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Such a terrible message. <laughs> uh, Paul, before we start, I forgot. I drove by the the mole house yesterday. The mole house. Mole. M-U-L-L. Oh, the when mole is rich. Yeah, Martin Mole from Mr. Mom. And I didn't realize- Martin I, Mole from Mr. Mr. Mom's Mom. Martin Mole? His mansion? Stop doing vocal exercises. You're on, Paul. <laughs> Mr. Mom's Martin Mole's mansion. So you drove by it? I've been driving by that house so often, and I always remark it because it's incredible house. I didn't realize that was the Martin Mole house from Mr. Mom. I have to drive by it after we're done recording. I couldn't last time because yeah. I had to get somewhere, but uh, now I'm going to mosey on to moles. And what's cool is you can see this, the big side area of the house where they do all the- You can? Yeah. There's a there's a fence, but you can see through the gate and you can see the whole expanse where they did the <laughs> obstacle course. By the oh way, my God, the is... next feature commentary we're doing on the Patreon yes. is Mr. Mom, by the way. Yes. Yes. And- you know, maybe with this podcast, sometimes you see a horror movie you've never seen before. Yeah. And you get turned, you know, you get excited by it. For people who haven't seen Mr. Mom, you got to dip your toe. Commentary or not. Yeah. Just it's do the yourself coziest movie ever Mr. made. Yeah. Also, and it's it's horrifying because a man should not be watching children and a no. woman should not be working in the workplace. No. It is a horror movie. It is a horror movie yeah. because the whole, the world is upside down in that movie. <laughs> It's like the purge. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah, um, the the other thing that's notable about MOD here, yeah, it's of of all the Spring King fling picks, it's the only one I've never fully seen. I have no like <gasps> experience watching it, or you'd seen some of it, like half a scene. I remember oh, flipping through the channels. It was maybe on TBS or TNT. I remember thinking like, this looks weird, and I kept. Clicking, so and then what, I've heard about what, it. What's, what? What are your? Let's get your opening salvo and thoughts and general feelings of this thing. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I loved it. It was so fun watching it. It did confirm what I saw in like that. And I'm not trying to have confirmation bias here, but it did confirm the experience I saw when I was like 14 uh, and I saw the scene. Yes, yeah, which was. This is like when I'd go to, you know, I grew up in Iowa and I would find myself a lot of times in every summer at this like county fair event where it's just like 
loud trucks and cars going in circles or banging into each other, some crazy shit. My friend Jesse Dean still goes back to that every year in Iowa. To what? To, to, the, to the fair. To specifically Iowa's? Yes, he's from there. Right, but and he uh, goes every uh, year. Yeah, uh, holy cow! You're blowing yeah. my mind. He That's makes, crazy. He keeps trying to get us to go. Maybe we will. Are day. you being serious? Uh, um, yeah, I mean, we're f- uh, uh, Jesse, Morgan, and yeah. their their two kids. They always go, and they want Amanda and I to go with them sometimes. And is it the state fair? Yeah, the state fair. Oh my. Good I guess he has a reunion volley. with his school buddies there every year or something. Yeah. So that was my county fair that I would go to. I only went to the state fair. Oh, okay. Sorry. Once. Oh, uh, no. I mean, the state fair is the shit. It's in the state fuck, county. Fuck, fuck, How dare it. you mix Take up the state back. fair from the Plymouth County Fair, I'm Matt. sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, and I did go down to the state fair because uh, I was performing as one of the eight members of the Celebration Singers. <sighs> What uh, did you sing? Which some of my snarky friends called the celibate singers. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you? Um, I was, this was the summer of 97 or 98. So it was, it was would have been 98, I think. So I was like 17, so which is sad. Were you celibate? You don't have to say. You don't have to say. No, at that point, I was still celibate. Um, (laughs) So they they weren't even mocking you. They were just stating journalistic facts. (laughs) Um, Yes. Yes. Uh, (laughs) They were just doing reportage. (laughs) Um, But yeah, anyway, it was just like really dorky medleys and and stuff and dance and choreography and and tan shorts and maroon shirts and stuff. It was a bad scene. But sounds pretty good to me. (laughs) uh, Like it just was like a a big kind of has a big carnival circus kind of atmosphere maximum overdrive, but just like the ACDC playing. It's like it reminds me like when you walk down like you're at the carnival and you're walking down and somebody, one person gets to play the stereo really loud and it's always like ACDC yep. or Metallica. Yep. Fun, fun metal. Yeah. Or whatever. Fun heavy. Yeah. Um. So, and I'm not hating on that. No. I'm just saying it's a very particular taste. It's right. probably one I don't want to eat every night. No, but, but you, a little yeah. bit of fun. A little yeah. heavy metal parking lot vibes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What was your experience? <laughs> Similar in that I had just been flipping through the channels and I think, I was thinking about this last night. This is the first experience that I can remember and I'm pretty sure the first time I my squibdar ever developed. Like it must oh. have been, I must have been hitting puberty. So like my squib... <laughs> Squibdar was developing and it was on cable and I was well, it's know. kind of a chicken or egg thing, right? Like did the first pube come in and then your then your squibdar came it's, in or did you have squibdar and when you noticed it it was the first time a pube grew? Good question because I wouldn't have known because who knows how long I'd had the squibdar until something came up that my squibdar could activate. Very you know what I mean? True. Right, right. So I remember flipping through this and when the the waitress goes out to confront the M60 on a flatbed trailer. You. <laughs> and her dress goes from a size two to a size 12. And it looks like she's wearing one of those Flintstones dinosaur rib cages. <laughs> I remember going, what 
Oh, she's she's gonna have blood packs in because I didn't even know the name Squibs back then. That's this how, is amazing. That's how serious this power is that I have. I didn't even know what to call it. I just knew I felt it and I understood it. Perfect it's like sc- The Shining. Yeah, it's like he didn't have a word for it. He just had an experience, right. and then you, you yes. had to have a Scatman Crothers come and give it a word. Absolutely. <laughs> And so, sure enough, she just gets squibbed to high hell. And I was like, I've got to use this power for good. To warn others that they might have blood packs on them. And then I was like, okay. I started testing it with other movies like Extreme Prejudice, where the squibs aren't as obvious. Same with Red Dawn. (laughs) And You challenged yourself. It was like you went to, to camp. Uh-huh. Like a exercise camp, yeah. Where you're like, squib, yeah, squib. Now, what was the most challenging squib in in all your days of squib dar? Which was, the, have you had any like, wow, did not ever, yeah, F extreme prejudice. Okay, so with Powers Booth, Nick Nolte. Now, and- was that just because you were a gentle squib watcher at the time? Would I, a, I would will a 35 admit, year old girl lead seen the squibs. R- yes, and I, in fact, there to that point, I was a ro- rookie. <laughs> With a preternatural impressive power of Squibdar. And in, yes. and this movie prided itself on tight polo shirts with all these men fighting in tight polo shirts getting squibbed. And I just remember going, how are they fucking doing that? Same thing with when uh-huh. Billy Bear gets shot in 48 hours and he doesn't have a shirt on. Oh, yeah. Both Walter Hills. Both Nolte Nolte Hills. That's right. Yeah. And other people, too. Um, So, the the Billy Bear one is they're just squibs already. It's just a makeup effect, and they just edit to it right there, Uh, if I remember correctly. Then I watched Extreme Prejudice, like, not too long ago, like three months uh, ago for the first time. Uh And I'm like, oh, they've got full chest plates on and like and then i i did i guess it's my squibdar is so so refined it is like so exquisite I, I like the amount of interview requests i get for my squibdar <laughs> on like frontline on pbs where they go to the experts yes. i have to turn them all down but i could see them now <laughs> in in Extreme Prejudice, and so it's incredible. What's, and how frequent are they? Real frequent. Uh, like, and it's always the uh, the vest technique. I I'm not no. Sometimes it's just like a leather flat square. But let me tell you, yes. In this movie, Squibwise, because yes. our lovely researcher now, Brantley Palmer. Thank you, Brantley. Knows how much. Well, he, I mean, he knows I'm a Squib Lord. <laughs> and he did. I love he, how the lore has grown in the last minute and a half. It's got it's increased. I'm a squib lord and I'm a wig lord. Okay, uh, so yeah. he mentioned that they had two batches of blood for this movie: the thick, viscous blood for the blood packs, the squibs, and then the like runny, juicy blood for hoses and things like that. Oh, they got mixed up. That's why all the squibs in this movie are. Bat shit like sprinkler squibs. How did I miss that in the notes? It's in there, man. It's your squibbed artist in notes, reading that, retaining it. But there's so I want to talk about the squibs just briefly. Please. Because they're they're such fun squibs. Yeah, and it, you're saying the difference in blood is what makes this 
a really great squib. I think so. And I think you got like the thinner the blood, the more bladder and actual like blood coating on the front of the body as opposed to the thicker stays in the squib. Yes. I noticed that. With yeah. The, yeah. So like a Robocop is thin. There's lots of blood. Uh-huh. Um, Untouchables is pretty thin. You get little like draw and um, uh, full metal jackets, pretty thin mm. and opaque. Mm. Like more like the old 70s red paint kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So Pat Hingles squibbed in this movie, uh-huh. but it must not have worked because they cut to after the fact he's I been squibbed and they like they haven't broken through because squibs, you have to score the materials so that the charge will burst through. Like you have to rough, like cut it with an exacto knife. Sounds like some not so like this was a non-union movie. Well, all scripts are that way. Sounds like crazy. I know. There's so many near accidents and accidents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. The cinematographer. We'll get to that. Yeah. But if you look at a lot of squibs in movies, they almost burst in a cross section where there's like like a cootie catcher. Did you ever make those things you'd fold? Uh Yeah. Um. And then there's the guy that looks like Will Forte's, maybe my favorite movie or moment in the movie where he just, he just comes out and goes, what the fuck's Fuck going on here? And yeah. the squibs and that guy are insane. He just exists there to be squibbed <laughs> to the hill and go, run in and say, what the fuck is going on? In yeah. Here. So funny. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. That was one of my favorite lines. Too. So um, yeah, because I noticed it was in. That's the explanation. I noticed it was kind of like splotchier and stuff on the... I also thought... I wondered if... um, Yeah, there was a malfunction or Pat Hingle. It just didn't... They couldn't make it work. Because, yeah, I noticed they cut away. Your Squibdar is so good that as an adult man watching this, (laughs) me, I was like... um, after the woman that that you speaketh, or you first saw it, that initiated this, yeah, uh, squibdar of yours. When it happened, uh, after she got shut up, I was like, I wonder if her dress changed before to, <sighs> for those squibs. No, this is what I'm saying. Like, I didn't. I was like, it must have. I didn't see it. Like, oh, I'm saying, my wow. squibdar is so limited. It's just un- undeveloped, my friend. Don't, don't we? Can, we mustn't speak of it that way. I don't know and because I, I, I can't. I. No, I think I'd want to enhance my squibdar powers. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that, and that's all I was waiting to hear. And I want you to tell your family that you won't see them for two weeks. Well, speaking of my family, yeah, you know, I have my family, uh, my wife and my daughter, but I also have my immediate family of my two sisters and my mom and my dad, some nephews and a niece. Um, and I think we've brought it up before on the podcast, but isn't it crazy that my sister, Amy Rust, has written a book, Passionate Detachments, that holds, has a whole chapter about squibs and like wait i didn't know this i know she'd written about like horror movies and stuff so when i had a when i was watching the squibs last night there was squibs something was going on with the squibs in this movie that it was unlocking squib things in my brain but i was like i don't know if we've ever officially talked about holy shit what in what context just so everybody check out my sister's book i'm gonna do it she's an amazing writer and uh uh thinker just like the the way she approaches movies and stuff. So she's a, a film theory uh, 
professor. Yeah. And so this was the book she published of her, I believe it was her thesis, but uh, I couldn't give it justice. I'll just quite quickly try to say what it is. But the idea is like, she's really uh, has had, had, has an interest in uh, like many cineast, uh a love for new, the new Hollywood mm. of like the late sixties yeah. into the seventies. And so her book is about focusing on that time period when uh, violence started to be oh wait we have talked about shown this. on screen yeah yes. so like Bonnie and Clyde and yeah we maybe yeah. talked about the overview yeah. of it but may, I don't know if I ever talked about the specific squib chapter or whatever but yeah 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 it, it's basically uh again I'm gonna say this so dumb that I couldn't really but put into better words but it was like hey we're all getting to see actual kind of enhanced real life violent images the ratings code now is becoming more lenient so you can represent violence hey we have these emerging technologies like the squib and uh, or or maybe not emerging just like the ones we're using now like um freeze frame and zoom ins that they're all kind of in service technically about capturing and representing violence in this new Hollywood mm -hmm. format. So the cover is like really cool. The cover of the book is like uh, Bonnie at the end of oh. Bonnie and Clyde with squibs blowing up all Holy over. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Holy people check shit. out that book. Please do. I will. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, but I think she should have written her whole book about maximum overdrive <laughs> squibs. She, she goofed up by writing about Bonnie and Clyde and the wild bunch. <laughs> I agree. This movie has some of the best squibs and some of the worst. It is the most all over the place squib wise. Yeah, and after the explosions, really all over the place. Well, no, not so much over the all over the place. Yeah. I was trying to make a joke when you said all over the place, but then I realized those squibs weren't all over the place. That was the whole point. Oh boy, blood was the blood was all over the place. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So should we talk about the? Um, well, I was going to say as long as we're talking about the squibs and the um, accidents and stuff, should we talk? We'll talk about the cinematographers. Yeah. Accidentally. Should we me, just, do you want to jump into the yeah, movie? Yeah. I do want to say that this yeah. has come up on the film before just because this, this episode is so squib heavy. I was a subject of a documentary by Jay Cheel called The Squibbing, where I finally got to realize my dream of being squibbed and machine gunned. And I'll, I'll post that on the Patreon. It's, uh, yeah, it's a really yeah. great video. Does your dream I, come true? Have I already hosted that on the Patreon? I don't think so. Okay. I apologize no. if I have. No. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's get into this thing. Um, so I did think that um, it is funny that it's like, you talked about like it became kind of like playground lore. Like he did a movie, Christine, or a book, and it's about a killer car. Yeah. And Cujo is about a killer dog. It is funny that this movie is like killer Ah, oh, just a bunch of shit. <laughs> it's Let's like everything is trying break to kill you. Down the rules of what's going on here. <gasps> this is yes. so the, the whole joke is always that Stephen King was high on cocaine this whole time. Right. But in Brantley's research, many people on the set said they never saw him doing cocaine. No, he was just a sad alcohol alcoholic. Yes, drinking beer at 10 a.m. for breakfast, but also huddling with his family beforehand. Like oh yeah, that they would have a little power. Before yeah, like good kind of like, okay, I'm going to work kind of things. And that's very sweet. He yeah. seems like a lovable drunk. Yeah. And he's making some real gold here. Yes. But um, 
Uh, what were we going to say? What were we talking about? Mm-mm-mm. Oh, that uh, it's a uh, people like to say that uh, uh, that it. You were saying let's figure out what's happening. Here. Oh yeah, exactly. the rules of this yeah, thing. Okay, so on its face, it's just yeah, cars become sentient and murderous. Then it's machines, but then you're like, well, a sprinkler's going off on its own. A mm-hmm. vending machine, an ATM. So it's not microchip based. It's not combustion engine based. It's mechanic based, but that wouldn't explain the ATM. An M60 is sentient, but not the guns that they have or the car that the honeymoon couple is driving. Yeah, right. That car should have spit them out and been like, get out of here. There's no, it makes no sense. They have a rocket launcher that's working on their side. Oh my God, the rocket launcher. Why isn't the cash register mad at them? This is like, and I say this with all, all the love in the, my heart, it is like a story that like a third grader yes, writes. A hundred percent, because that's where the ACDC comes in. And not just the fact that it's ACDC, but that they're just pulling past tracks with maybe two <gasps> moments where Angus Young went in the studio and was like, I'll just lay down a riff. I know there's a couple times where it was, it was just like during the romance scenes or whatever you'd call them, like a bass light is playing. Yes, like just yes, imagine yes. the bass, one bass, the basses for ACDC coming in a studio by, by himself, himself yes. alone yeah. and just being like, can I go home now? <laughs> and I will say Who Made Who is my favorite ACDC song of all time. Hey, so this did this proceed? That proceeded. I knew like she shook me all night long. Did yeah, and ride on hell's bells. Maybe not ride on. I it might oh, be that hell's ride bells, on okay. and who's who made who were done for the album that came out. I think coinciding with this. Movie. Okay, I forget. Who made who is a great song, and oh, I like hell's I bells. It. I mean, yeah. ACDC is great. Yeah, and the fact that the end credits had uh, you shook me all night long. Um, uh, it made me think like. Any movie could probably raise their average audience letter grade, you know, that they do after an audience comes yeah. out of the theater. You could raise it by a full letter if you every movie just put eight CDs. Yes. You shook me all night long. Because the chemical that gets dumped on your brain <laughs> when the combination of end credits scrolling up while the opening, and I'm not going to be a dork who does the riff with my mouth, but the combination of the credits and the music together, we've never talked about it before. I don't think I've ever said it out loud. But isn't that an awesome feeling at the movies when everybody knows, generally in the audience, we all just saw an awesome movie, and when a really, it could be the score of the movie, yeah. just kicks on when the end oh, credits yeah. come up. The rise in the audience but specifically i remember this as a little boy going to the movies the walk out yeah up the aisle yeah. to the combination of like triumphant music yeah and feeling great that i just saw an awesome movie oh my god bottle that and ship it out oh, to the world I it's the best fucking feeling in the world there's n- a pop song has never sounded better than over the credits of a movie that just ended that is also a good movie yeah also but it's just been remixed and you're hearing new yes. nuances of it but you're right like for some it reason is. it's loud it's cranked up like a party in a yeah. way that you've never heard i not even a Moby Katrina fan, and the waves but, before, but, but, but like the Moby songs at the end of the Bourne movies, I remember walking out of those going, "Oh yeah, Moby." Oh. 
Yeah. Hey, got to get to that movie <sighs> show down the street. That <laughs> he's having a concert just down the corner, around the corner. But even though there's no score to this movie to speak of, you couldn't have done better matching ACDC to this movie. It is, yeah, pretty perfect. It's the perfect amount Match. of trashy fun that... That was, yeah, Stephen King asked them to do the music, right? And oh, so, really? Uh, so, like... He, that was the smartest move. He knew that there was a match in tone between ACDC's like level of fun, aggressiveness, and then this movies. They're both like, you're not supposed to take it too seriously. No, they're kind of not at all. And it's his choice of ACDC that makes me think he was more capable on this movie than he or anyone gives him credit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, totally, because this movie isn't. It's bonkers, but it's not incompetent. No. There's a couple moments where I'm like, oh, they didn't. Like in the scenes with Emilio Estevez and the love interest, I'm like, oh, that just wasn't (laughs) done well. Nobody knew what they were doing. It's completely devoid of any (laughs) chemistry or. But uh, also they're meet cute. I'm like, oh, they know each other. It's so confusing. (laughs) They don't. Yeah. (laughs) They introduce themselves. Uh, And they, um, but. It looks great. Yeah. It doesn't like look shitty. And uh, the version I saw at least. And it sounds great. And uh, it's edited really well. Yeah. Like I was like, ooh, Stephen King lucked out. Like there's just really funny or dramatic ends to a scene to get you into the next scene that I don't know. I was never like what, looking at my phone or right. my ta- the clock to be like, when is this wrapping up? Cause, I hope you weren't because they could have come alive and killed you. Oh, my phone would have bit my fingers. Your clock would have... Rolled off the wall and <laughs> kissed me. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, but uh, uh, <laughs> wait, what, before I talked about a clock kissing me. Uh, uh, oh, 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 uh, just um, uh, oh, the way it oh, looks. the ACDC. Yeah, do you notice they have the logo in the credits? Yes, every but, even composer should have their own logo I that know. comes up on screen under music by. Uh, yeah, because really what cool. are the movies that have been scored by rock bands where there's like Tangerine Dream didn't mm-hmm. source for it, but they wrote that score for that movie? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's been movies where it's like, um. Well, this he's not a band, he's a songwriter, but like Bob Dylan did you know, music for uh Pat Garrett. Yeah. Right? But um who's a I believe that maybe I'm mixing that up. Kind of Amy Mann man for Magnolia. Okay, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. She had her own <laughs> logo. <laughs> <laughs> um, um so also just um in addition, just like the kind of like, oh, so it's Killer car, killer dog, killer everything, crazy shit. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking just like when the movie was wrapping up, I was kind of like, well, just what's it about? Like, (laughs) (laughs) what's it? And I I was thinking, I was so I was reflecting about our previous Dino (laughs) King uh, collabos, and I was like, what what in the dead zone mean to me? And I was like, well, I guess like. He's always focused on the past. He's fixated on the past or obsessed with the future. If this guy had just lived in the moment, he does. It takes a toll on his yeah. family members and on himself. Yeah. If you had to extract something, it's like live in the moment, and uh, you won't. Your life won't fall apart. Yeah. And then with uh, um, I love where this is heading. The, the silver bullet. You know, we talked about how like oh that priest is like. 
he's a priest, so he's like trying to be civilized, but deep down he's a werewolf. So it's yeah. like, and now this town is torn asunder. Repression. And, yeah. yeah, because yeah. Uh, when people can't, when they repress stuff too much, a community sort of also falls apart or yeah. tears apart. I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's right. just like an idea of this movie. Yes. This one, I'm just like, Oh, I know the message of this film. What? It's a very, it's a, it's a universal message. Please. Don't get caught in the tail of a comet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If your earth, if your planet's going to get ta- caught in the tail of a comet, get on a rocket. Ship out of there to Mars, buddy. Go on a boat. <laughs> If a sprinkler can come alive, why can't a boat come alive? I mean, when, uh, that occurred to me when there was a part with when Pat Hingle, who I'll never be... Well, Bubba's a good character name, but I was going to say I only want to call him Pat yeah, Hingle. Yeah, me too. But like when he's talking on the little... Uh, what's that called? The radio communicator yeah. thing? Yeah. Like, the handset. That did it like start like... <laughs> Wrap it around his neck and choke him. <laughs> Just like the hairdryer did to that one woman that died out her window. Oh my! The, oh. <laughs> Everybody posed. I mean, one of the earliest kind of like uh, I don't know about that is pretty early. Or one of the biggest like I don't know about that is early on with the kitchen carver, the meat oh, carver yeah. thing that like. Turns yeah, out. and that's within the bounds of that of that place. So why doesn't the CB thing? Go or the cash register, or I mean, the confines of that place. I think is the elephant in this in the room with this movie, which is like, why don't the fucking trucks just drive into the building? Well, they explain that. How he says, Emilio Estevez says, those trucks are smart enough to know that if they crash into this, they're going to crash into the basement. They're too heavy, and that's why. But hold on, this. Logic, I mean, if this, this is logic, the explanation, no, it I doesn't work because then he goes. That's why that little light M60s on there, and so then they they send this message Morse code saying, "Bring us gasoline, and we will let you live. If you do not, we will kill you." So if they're smart enough to know they're not going to fall in the basement, aren't they smart enough to know that if they kill them, they're not going to get any gasoline? Yes, you're right. Yeah. I, you said it much better than I could have put it. Other yes. than that, this movie is sound. <laughs> uh, but sound. And also, they crash into it at the end, and they don't <laughs> fall into the basement. <laughs> so when they started doing that, I was like, you guys could have done this the whole time, yeah, guys. Yeah. You're not. You're still standing. Yeah, I love it. I uh, love it. So it really is written by a 13-year-old. It's so great. And to, to the, the last frame, when that... What happened next? A Russian satellite yeah, you don't, blew up the UFO that was connected. <laughs> it read like a third grader, and it's eight forty-five, and your bedtime's at nine, and you have to finish the story up because it's due tomorrow. So you're just like, and then uh, it, it, Russian satellite it hit is. a UFO. But, but you, there was already a built-in ending from the opening crawl of this thing's going to last eight days, so many hours. <laughs> so what, what suddenly is that? It does feel like twelve-year-old. And then I, there's a Russian satellite full of nukes and they shoot at a UFO. Honey, what UFO? Well, it was there. Are you so, writing it down? I told you to be writing it down when I was saying it. What UFO? So the, is the UFO doing this or is the comet doing this or is cocaine doing this? <laughs> I think it, that was trying to say that 
this has been the work of some UFO up in the sky that is doing this to, I guess, whatever aliens do this shit for. To diabolical? Take it's uh, like the Decepticons have come. Y- yeah. yeah. I mean, this and Transformers were kind of... What do you think it was, Matt? Do you think it was uh, that our the factories that were making these machines were leaving our country, and so there was some social oh. agitation about what these machines are to us anymore? There was kind of that weird stuff of her saying, we made you. What a fucking... Talk about. Yeah. Coked out. Crazy. She screams, we made you, like 12 times in this movie. It's funny, too, that like there's no reason it can't be this, but why isn't it one of the truckers saying, like, we made you like I drive you. It's a waitress. <laughs> right. Right. She should right be she, at the, the cake mixer. <laughs> I don't mean to like be that narrow minded, but no, it is I, funny that she of all people is the one that's just. Yeah. What if there was a guy who like was literally worked in the, a factory or a lady who worked in the factory that made the semi truck. And she's like, I get to say we made you. Yeah. Not you. Uh, uh, the, uh, 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 Oh, so yeah, the um, ending. Oh, oh, oh! What you were saying just about the um, uh, in the color of the comet, yeah, the comet screen yeah. and stuff. So, the movie that's associated with uh, Stephen King's uh, Coke extravaganza is Maximum Overdrive, and then the book he seems to say is the Tommyknockers. Oh. Uh, because it's about being in the grips because it's like late at night, a green fog comes over and people go to the forest and they get mixed up and then they come out of it the next day, a different like, and they keep going back. But I did think like, oh, there is a color green comment, comet, like in this movie, Stephen King had to make the choice of the color of the comment. Right. And th- it is green, the Tommyknockers color. What's Stephen King's problem? Also, what, like, there's the, the creep show moss that takes over him that's all green. Yeah. Is he uh What if we found out the biggest fear Stephen King has is the color green? He's the yellow lantern. Uh <laughs> When you see that opening with the crawl and then the way the earth and the space looks and then the green mist comes in, it is so perfect because not only are you aware you're watching a B movie, it looks like a 50s B movie that's just not in black and white. It is so old school looking even for 86. Yeah, it's a 50s B movie and down to like the kid from Shane, like the blonde hair, like like, it's also just like – pulp or uh be westerns and stuff too you're yeah. like the movie stephen king loved the most because this does feel like a siege yeah. corral yeah. movie too so it is like this fusion of it does i mean being that looks like a spoof of a b movie yeah yeah, yeah. like the fly this i mean it opens with a star field and i was like <laughs> Ooh, you guys are setting the heights like pretty high. There's <laughs> a lot of great movies that start with Starfield. Three okay. years after that space battle in Return of the Jedi, where they have like mastered optical effects. Yeah, I think I saw the stars kind of like yeah. quivering. From yeah, Coke. I saw a guy walk through the background. <laughs> Should we take a little pee break yeah. and then come back and really dive into I'd this? Love thing? it. All we'll right. dig into the Studio Canal logo. How about that? Oh, so you did have it this time. I did have it this time. I wonder what that's all about. Well, what's that about? We'll get Crazy. into it. <laughs> With Corley, 
with glory and rest. All right, so Studio Canal and Studio the last movie I watched had that and yours didn't. Yeah, I watched this one on iTunes. I watched on Plex again. Okay, so maybe and you did have the Studio mm-hmm. Canal. Um, this good. Studio- I just wanted to get a shout out for iTunes there, <laughs> or maybe I watched it. I could have watched it on Amazon.com. Guys, check that out. <sighs> they too. need the help. They really they've been struggling. Isn't Studio Canal kind of like highfalutin arty stuff? Or I- yeah, no, I think it's like an uh, arm that bought a bunch of stuff that is maybe a little more highfalutin. I mean, that logo is like pretentious to the know. max. It's like, cool it, guys. You're not the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do love Dino's D-E-G, <sighs> the De Laurentiis Entertainment Group with the lion, the beautiful <sighs> lion. That's so good. It's a beautiful logo. I would love a shirt like that. Yeah. Um, I would wear it... Um. Two weddings. <laughs> Dino D's not still with us, is he? No, Dino has uh, passed away. When did he die? Um, maybe 2012 or 13. Mm. It's funny you ask that because I remember uh, my uh, uh, wonderful friend, Harris Whittles, R.I.P. Mm. Uh, uh, that wasn't glib saying R.I.P. That was genuine. Yeah. Uh, he had a joke on Twitter when Dino De Laurentiis died. That was funny where it was like, today's the day um, that Dino De Laurentiis died and the day that I found out who Dino De Laurentiis was. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so apparently Harris... Never saw Maximum Overdrive and remembered, who oh, had, or maybe he did and just doesn't. Didn't. I don't think I realized how wide Dino De Laurentiis's reach was. I knew things like Conan, Conan, God, Conan, yeah, the Barbarian, right? My and, first exposure to him was like watching SNL reruns of the S Nick at Night, which are the seventies SNL reruns, yeah. And I think John Belushi did a Dino De Laurentiis impression where it's like, when Mike King Kong died, he cried. They cried. They cried when Mike Kong died. And I remember asking my mom, like, who is that? What's he doing? She's like, oh, he's being like a producer, Dino De Laurentiis. Uh, uh, yeah, so he's been in my life for a while. (laughs) So for you, it was like you were saying the Conan movies. Conan, did um, he do Flash Gordon too? I think so, yeah. And then, yeah, that King Kong, that Jeff Bridges one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, and the Charles Grodin, the yeah. Chuck Grodin one. Yeah. Jessica Lang. Uh, what a cast. I know. Beloved, uh, all of them. Um, so then, yeah, there's that opening crawl, predicting what's going to happen <laughs> in the near future. Then we kick the movie off with a straight-up cameo from Stephen King. Right, and we're not in Maine, which is significant. No, by, I mean, Dino De Laurentiis's studio was based out of North Carolina, and so they, I think, had to shoot there. Mm-hmm. Um, they said they went there because it was uh, free-to-work states. So yeah. They to unionize. Right. Um, but- so... That's why it seems to be that they're working on North Carolina. But it did make me think, when I first saw Stephen King roll up, I was like, is he going to do a Maine accent? Mm. Who is he? But he seemed to be like from that 
state. Yeah, they're playing up the southern aspect of it. Yeah. But what a way to kick a movie off with just the marquee of a bank going, fuck you. I mean, that- And you are an asshole. Yeah. If I was in the theater and that's the first thing I see in the movie, I'm like, it's probably going to be the best movie I've ever seen in my whole life. I laughed when I saw You Are an Asshole. Yeah. Oh, that I, I thought it was so funny. Like, uh, yeah, if I was, that's when, uh, I mean, the movie's like at its best when it's like a visual of something yeah. insane. Like when the yeah. plane is crashed into the school bus yeah. or when the steamroller comes onto the baseball diamond oh, on the God. field. Yeah. Like, Crushes and that's when kid. I'm like, Oh, that's, I guess what I want from like a Stephen King movie where like the insane visuals that he sees in his head, he's trying to put them yeah. on screen. So in an ATM says like, yeah, uh, is is cursing at you? It's pretty. Perfect. But that also makes me wonder: these machines they want to kill, but they also want to insult. They're just and and, and uh, yeah, pull, negative pull energy. Pranks. Like when yeah. that guy had the gas tank, the pump that wasn't working, and then he turned it. Yeah, and it took a while before like it comedically like splashed yeah. into his eyes. I was like, wait, so these sentient trucks also have timing or sentient pumps? It's like the negative goo from Ghostbusters too. There's just something in the air culturally too. That's just this. Oh, it seeps it up and then pushes it back out. Well, just whatever that oh, negativity. Oh, culturally in the yeah. late '80s. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like. Um, I mean, I feel like kind of what starts ruining those movies of the let's be in the new Hollywood, the boomer, the film brats in the late '80s, early '90s, is they all get kind of like squishy and new agey mm. like that's how they're trying to make sense of their their lives at that moment is kind right. of like getting like oh, yeah. a little quasi phony spiritual or something right and so that's what i think like sometimes when i see that kind of like shit in ghostbusters 2 last time i watched it i was like what's this new agey because yeah. it's the same summer as last crusade which i love it of course but it has all this kind of like gooey like yeah if you discover the cross, you'll discover your father and yourself. And yeah. not to say Stephen King at all is like a crunchy new agey guy, but just the idea of like, there's a one comment, man, that goes across the <laughs> earth and it changes how we all see reality. Yeah. It's yeah. a little that yeah. They are all of a kind. And if you really look at the personalities of Stephen King, Ivan Reitman and Steven Spielberg, they're just their versions of the same thing, basically. Yeah. It's all their version of kind of um, fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Legal Eagles, the best example of that. I would write <laughs> as Legal Eagles. I've never seen it. It's It was his follow-up to Ghostbusters, and it was going to begin as kind of this funny um, comedy that takes place amongst attorneys with Bill Murray. Mm. And then Robert Redford was like, I kind of want to do a comedy, and can you make it actually a like a love interest story, not about two com- guys competing or mm. legal eagles so they just rewrote it dumped so much money it's such a huge budgeted movie and it was like i think in the top 15 that year too it's just like one of those movies yeah. is like nobody it didn't daryl hannah right daryl hannah and uh deborah winger yeah and i love me some deborah wings sure yeah so that's why i watched it but it was Milk toast baby. Really? <laughs> Tin roof. Calcified. Oh, I always liked how uh, in Love Shack, he said, it kind of sounded like they say rusty. Oh, yeah. My Tin last roof name. Rusty. Uh, uh, oh, so if if this had been, if 
Alfred Hitchcock was alive in the 80s, do you think this would have been his version of a director cameo? Not only that, but it would be his update of the birds. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this this would be. Him walking... Um, now, Gorley, I have a confession I have to make. Oh. The last day or so, I've been working on an Alfred Hitchcock impression. Are I you serious? To, yes. And I wanted to try it. <gasps> I'm really right excited. Okay, okay. Okay. So this is him in Maximum Overdrive. He had directed <laughs> Maximum Overdrive, and he's doing his cameo at the beginning. Okay. I'm not going to look at you. Okay. A, because it'll help me, and B, it won't make you uncomfortable. <laughs> so, I went to the automated teller machine to get up more. So, so I'll put in more pin code. And the, and the ITM tells me... <laughs> That I am an asshole. <laughs> right? That's it. That's fantastic. Thanks, Matt. Man, you, you've got Marge Simpson and... <laughs> the Marge was much better uh, uh, than that. That's really nice. Wow. Yeah. Oh, God. Thank you, Matt. I, I realized it's um a little Michael Caine with just like spit in his mouth. I love the Alfred Hitchcock, um, how he's like... Yeah. I don't think I, I hope heard. you freaks like that sound too. Oh, God, you you why do you even listen to this podcast just for that, or do you even care about the content? You just listen for the slurps, oh, you gross. sick twists. Um, and then okay, so the ACDC logo, uh, in the credits. Okay, so one of the first things you see that the comet activates is they're in a machine. And like Invisible Man style, you just see kind of like buttons yeah. go down and cranks get turned on. Listen. What's I'm, the science, my man? Well, it's going to get worse because when I talked about the discrepancies between what machines do and don't get activated by this, right, right out of the gate, it is all problem because it activates a drawbridge that then starts destroying cars. Why aren't the cars protecting themselves? <laughs> yes, Why those cars they... should like float up into the air. Or at least reverse and drive away. Yeah, it's hurting its own kind. I know. Ooh, maybe and that means- And Marla Maples. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that means there's a print. Right. I love that bit of info we got yeah. from our researcher. Uh, yeah, Brantley. Marla Maples is in this fucking movie. Yeah. Tiffany oh. Trump's mother, Donald Trump's wife. Second wife, Second of, wife. of Donald Trump. She's in this movie now. What part? Uh, She's I, the one, the g- girl in the car with the like you know the, like the hot blonde guy and girl and they yeah yeah that's funny because wasn't it was it uh, Woodrow Wilson's second wife who was like in a talkie where she was like getting chased on a drawbridge? This is true. No, no, no. Oh. no this is <laughs> Like, what an insane thing that, like, uh, she's in this, like, B-grade movie. She's the second wife of a oh, president. Taft's wife played Auntie M in Wizard of Oz. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, also, when I saw that drawbridge open up, it made me think, buddy, movies really misled me with drawbridges when I was a kid. I thought 
a drawbridge was constantly opening and closing in life. And I've maybe seen it once in my life. You did? Like it was like just continually. I'm just saying in movies when you watch them, oh. anytime there's a drawbridge on screen. Yeah. That thing's going to open up. Right. Because why else have a drawbridge? Yeah. Yeah. So as a kid who lived in a small town, I kind of thought once I get out of this town, I'm just going to be drawbridges opening left and right. I've seen it like maybe once in my life where I've had to stop. Yeah, me either. And no car drove over the drawbridge no. from one end to the other. That didn't happen either. What are the great drawbridge movies? This, View to a Kill. I think there's one um, in Smoking What's Up, band. Doc? Oh, the Smoking the Bandit. Yeah, does Smokey and the Bandit? I did think actually watching this, I wanted to get your opinion. There's a point where it's just like the semi-trucks are going around in a circle yeah. around the thing and it's so loud and yeah. ACDC's playing. I was like, Smokey and the Bandit has to be a more gentle, cozy version. of the, It never oh. reaches that level of like, eh, I, I want to go, I want to leave the fair. No, it, it, it gets amped up, but in a way where you're like on the ride. Fun. Oh, this it's a flawless movie. It's a flawless movie. I adore Smokey and the Bandit. I what is my problem? I I just maybe I think I want to watch it with you. Yes. Yeah. But not as a commentary. Maybe we could cover it sometime. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um and uh get some big bags of popcorn. <laughs> yeah. While we watch. I don't know. Just Bruce is at his height of charm. Bruce, sorry, Bert. Well, you said Bruce, though. It reminded me. I read that Stephen King wanted Bruce Springsteen to play the lead in this. Are you serious? In Maximum Overdrive? <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't in the the research we get from Bradley is like yeah. solid. He's sourced. Sourced and from yeah. sources you can't get online. Uh, but this one said, yeah. It should have been. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen to be the lead. It should have been Brian Johnson from ACDC. <gasps> you want to know why I got sent to jail? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is he the guy with the hat or the Yeah, shirt? he was the guy with the hat. So you have the hat. Uh, uh, what's his name? Brian? Me? Yeah, you. Yeah. You have that hat still? I got, I'm on parole because I taped Larry Lester's bones together. <laughs> we were talking about this before the yes. episode that... Emilio Estevez's monologue about why he's on parole is such the same as his Breakfast Club monologue of how he taped the other wrestler, Larry Lester's buns together. And that was the monologue that everybody did in high school for theater festivals. Every boy did. Did you? I don't know. I must have. I must have at one point, but I don't recall uh, it. I never got to see it um, performed as a monologue. Oh, you haven't lived. But I would... I told you... Uh, off mic that uh, uh, I did miss like a one act version of the breakfast club at a speech competition oh. in high school. And I, it killed me genuinely <laughs> like hurt so bad that I missed it. I would have yeah. loved to it because I love the breakfast club and to see people perform, it would have been cool. So what is it? It's like, cause guys get to kind of like get a little teared up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's and exactly it's a really that. good monologue. But it was also one that like, I always think, you know, because you're in theater, especially in high school and college, you have all types. But there was, in at least in my college theater, mm -hmm. there was actually a, a like group of kind of jock actors, mm -hmm. like alpha actors. Mm -hmm. And they would gravitate towards this monologue because it was kind of like, I can act, but I still like, I'm a 
guy. I mean, it's not real. I'm playing a jock. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, well, the, yeah, the reason it was brought up is because you and I both had, we found out, our own personal reactions to that scene. It's the when he's standing up to uh, pet um, Hingle, right? There, no. Well, he does the monologue later when he's talking to Brett, his love interest. Right. When they're down in the basement. I yeah. Think. When he's in the arsenal, right? Yeah. That's when I remember it. So, yeah. Um, that I think because they're separated by a year. Breakfast Club is 85 and uh, this movie's 86. Uh-huh. It's so close that you like the exact facial expressions he makes are you could do face swap and it would immediately, it would perfectly match up. And it is like, for me, it's like, yeah, the tone of like, I have pride, but I'm (laughs) dropping it right now to show you what I feel. And it's so good. It's like really winning, but yeah. Well, that whole time I couldn't help but think the monologue going on in his mind is it's 1986 going, Fucking my brothers just did platoon. My dad was in apocalypse now. I mean, oh, this fucking piece of shit. Right. I mean, I did think about what did Emilio think because so far he was in Repo Man in eighty four and Saint Almost Fire in eighty five. And outsiders too. And outsiders. So if he doesn't have what like Charlie has right now in that moment, he could say like, Oh, I'm cool. Yes. Like right. I've done Charlie that. might have prestige with this platoon yeah. thing or not thing, smash awards. Red bananza. Dawn, yeah. But like, wow, what cachet to actually have to say I was in Star of Repo Man and I was part of this really, this ensemble of hot up and coming actors and yeah. saying almost fire. So even with that to then be on the set of Maximum <laughs> Overdrive, you're like, what the hell am I doing? And I prefer Emilio to Charlie Sheen as an actor. I think he was maybe supposed to be in Platoon. Oh, really? I forget. Because he looks more like Martin Sheen. I think Oliver Stone wanted to kind of echo that. Yeah. Um, And I love him as Billy the Kid in Young Guns, but specifically Young Guns 2. I love that movie. He is really good in uh, the Young Guns movies. I do... um, well, personally, I prefer uh, Charlie Sheen in his life. Over yeah, oh yeah, he's a great human. Uh, great no, I, obviously, personally, I'm like Emilio Estevez seems to have like a good life. He's a he directs movies that people seem to like. And, yeah, uh, he seems to be happy doing Mighty Duck stuff occasionally. Right, but um, and Charlie Sheen obviously his personal life is a disaster. But man, I think Charlie Sheen is like a great actor. Really, and I think he's like a really great comic actor. And he just gets saddled with like such yeah. bad comedy shit. But man, I think he's so, he has just a really innate watchability about him. Hmm. So I don't know. That's how I feel about Charlie Sheen. Well, we've clearly understood that I'm team Estevez, you're team Sheen. Hey, team so what, Sheen. what's going to happen when we watch Men at Work? <laughs> Vinegar and oil? I guess we'll just watch in shifts when they come on. And then what? <laughs> I wrote a sketch once about two film critics who um, they're complaining about the dark Knight because they're like, why are we telling two different movies? One about this billionaire Bruce Wayne and a completely different movie about this guy, Batman. <laughs> <so trying>. <laughs> like if this doesn't make sense. Why are they putting it? And then as they're like reviewing the movie, they talk about how like they've been taking they took frequent bathroom breaks. <laughs> so that's why they never saw the scenes where each, 
<laughs> I don't know why I'm retelling that's a sketch really I wrote. Funny. That's a little that's uh, really funny. Uh, a little gauche of me to be retelling sketches. Um, so, uh, are we at where Emilio Estevez and Pat Hingle are? He's extorting him for. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, yeah, because we meet a bunch of these characters: Frankie uh, uh, Faison, 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 Faison as Handy, Emilio as Bill, and Pat Hingit. Hingle as Bubba. And yeah, so he's like, they're seeing this kind of like you're on parole. Right? You see this in Heat too, where the short order diner guy. Bud Court. That's not Bud Court. That's Bud Court, my man. An uncredited Bud Court. Did I tell you I ran into Bud Court at a Rite Aid once? <laughs> no. I think kind of hit on me. Hey, all right. Is I don't even know. I don't want to like tell tales out of school, but it's just the distinct feeling I got. Well, you're not judging it. No, I'm not judging it. Yeah, if of anything, course. So I'm you're flattered. Just, yeah, of course. I'd, hey, I'd mod his herald anytime. Uh, uh, yeah, he uh, uh, he's in diner, and I wish, or in in heat working in the diner, and I wish you would have just reprised that character in this movie. Wouldn't that have been? If he played Pat Higgles for it, I don't know. I didn't ever. He seems too thin to be Bud Court. He plays the perfect asshole yeah. a boss wow. at a diner. Wow. That's um, great. But same situation. It's like he hits people who are on parole and he's kind of like has their nuts in a vice a little bit yeah. of like, hey, I can make this difficult for you if you don't. If I don't, you don't let me exploit you, basically. And their time cards have those stars that you used to get in school, those red, green, and gold stars. And if you look at the names on the um, the punch cards, there's someone named Gene Poole. <laughs> Gene Poole? Yeah, that's a gloss. A little shallow? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but why does Pat Engel have a headshot of a boy on his desk? I did not see that. And who is that? Is it boy? a leftover... One of the people who auditioned to play the baseball must, kid. Must have been. Yeah. Uh, uh, that kid, you, if you look that kid up on Emilio must have been? What? You said must have been. And I was like, oh, the oh. actor Emilio must have been? <laughs> if you look at the actor that plays Duncan, the boy, uh-huh. he's like this hard scrabble dude now that's now? just a tough guy. Yeah, Like bald with muscles kind of guy? Bald, kind of balding, <laughs> slicked back hair, long beard interesting yeah. turn of events yeah hmm. Hmm. What, did he act in other things yeah i think so but i don't know it is funny when that baseball kid first pops up and then goes away and then he pops up a second time and goes away and then when he pops up at the third time you're like oh this is a this kid's this is not just a this kid comes and goes unless He's you went to the bathroom por- a few times you think it's just about him <laughs> hey why isn't this movie called that kid loves baseball wait also on the baseball field he falls off his bike, but it's like the bike flips. Is the bike uh, uh, like sentient? Would the bike like pushes him off? Yeah. I wondered what he was doing with that bike. Cause he kind of takes it and drives it and then gets off and then gets back on it. I'm like, who's in control of this bike? Also, I thought to myself, a bike should be able to be, I remember thinking you should be able to trust a bike here. Yeah. Also, like, just stay with the bike. The sprinkler things are confounding in so many ways. Why they even work? But also, you're not doing harm. You're actually helping watering the lawn. So, <laughs> uh, 
that's like a, a delinquent teenager who's like, I'll show dad. I'm going to go mow the yard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he thinks he's awesome. <laughs> Watch this, dad. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to put the clippings in the bag. Uh, the uh, uh, Oh, so a lot of this movie takes place at the truck stop. Yeah. Um, do you truck stop? world culture life experiences do you encounter them very much we don't get a lot of that in california i mean they exist but they're southern california they're not really a thing yeah but if you drive up the coast or up the five you encounter them and yeah there's the vestiges of the old truck stops are still there too but now they're basically all turned into like almost like theme parks now where you go Mm -hmm. giant emporiums of candy and things and so yeah the diner thing doesn't really exist anymore yeah they have been replaced you're making me realize like by um yeah corporate like you can walk now into these places and they'll have like um a subway with next to a burger king or something uh or a chick-fil-a but yeah, they are different. I do miss them in Southern California because they were really, they're such a uh, cool place. Like when you're on a, in Iowa, just like on a long car trip and you see this giant truck stop off to the side of the freeway, they're so fun to like, that's cool. Pull over the road. And then, yeah, they have like arcade games just like in the movie. And uh, I liked them as a kid, but I also liked them as a college student when I'd go on <laughs> college road trips and yeah. stuff. They were fun to drop in and. It's quite an arcade in this one. So we yeah, got look, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, Breaking Bad and Do the Right Things. And yeah. Giancarlo Esposito. And now, what happens with him in this uh, arcade? What is so the power he, of, the, of this arcade? To, it kills him. But if you, I, I was I couldn't help but hear the Tron sound effect the whole time. And there's no Tron in that room. I didn't hear the Tron. It's I mean, the MCP cone. I think video Ooh. games might be the biggest... Uh, offender of the wrong sound effect yeah. stuff in movies. Yeah. Those guys could give a shit no. about vi- what video game sounds are. And it's like, hey, you're only making your life more narrow. Open yourselves up to the sounds of video games. I bet you discover a lot of things. I agree. Bad. It matters. And, and I know we're pointing out and nitpicking, and I think I'm about to break my own rule of why do you seek the cup of Christ? Is it for his glory or yours? Go ahead. I kind of did with Tron, but this this movie really invites it. And it's important that I, I, I have so. a certain amount of pride in my knowledge of weapons from the Vietnam era. Let's go for it. That rocket launcher they're shooting the whole time yeah. is called a law rocket, light anti-tank weapon. It's disposable. You can only use it once. <laughs> so they're like reloading it yeah. a lot. And I know I've fractured my one rule on this podcast because there's no point in me saying that other than to say, hey, look at my knowledge. But I disagree. I say it with embarrassment, not pride. I disagree, Matt. Part of this show is for us to state a thesis and give examples <laughs> to back up the case. <laughs> this thesis is this movie's malarkey. It's a little nuts. Yeah. So you're just giving an example of how it's nuts. Yeah. They're reusing a thing you could only use once. Right. Case closed. Uh, we got our, your number, movie. I did think when I was saying the video game sound thing, I was like, oh, I bet artillery and stuff is where 
somebody just likes the sound of one gun, and so they put it oh, on a thing yeah. that doesn't really match, right? I mean, that Tron sound effect is pretty good. What is it? It's very similar to right before they fire the Death Star. Mm. Three, two. Bum, 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 it's bum, like the sound bum. of the like handle, the one handle yes. thing. Yeah. yeah. Which was a TV, like T- cable TV switchboard. SCTV yeah. mixing board. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if you watch closely in Star Wars, when that person does that, an episode of SCTV starts. <laughs> it's Guy Caballero. <laughs> uh, the, uh, that semi truck is talking about things that uh, just, uh, you know, aren't real life. Yeah. Have you ever. In your life, seen a semi truck that has any kind of signage or anything put on the front grill. The goblin, think of the bugs that what that goblin would look like. It would be so dirty, it would look like I don't know, like a mud monster. I, the whole movie, I was going, What is my problem with this? Why do I have, I don't like this face on the front of this truck? Yeah. And it occurred to me with like a half hour left, I'm like, Oh, because it's not dirty. It's just so shiny. Yeah. And it makes it super so evil looking. It's not even believable it would be associated with the kids thing. And it looks just like the Green Goblin and Spider Man. It is because yeah. when I read the end credits, oh. it said, Thank you, special permission for Marvel with a Green Goblin. I was like, Okay, I guess. Do you think that they made it and they're like, Fuck. Oh. We better get permission. Or yes, they... because it wasn't probably. It didn't look exactly like it, but yeah. it was close enough that. They Why had would it. they like purposefully do that? Yeah. <laughs> what if that mold was based on Willem Dafoe, and that's like <laughs> where the idea came? Um, oh, Evil Dead fans, though. Um, you know, Stephen King really helped with the success of the first one. He gave that quote for Evil Dead that they put on the poster, mm. like the scariest movie I've ever seen. Um, but he knew Sam Raimi was looking for a place to make Evil Dead 2. And he put him, uh, Evil Dead 2 came out in 87. And uh, Laura goes that Stephen King, talking to Dino De Laurentiis, put them in contact with each other because mm. Dino De Laurentiis did produce Evil Dead 2. Ah. So on both counts, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, Stephen King kind of helped those movies along. We have him to thank. Yeah, thanks. Let's call him Steve. He's such a buddy. Yeah, Steve. Steve, Steve-o. Uh, what if he was a jackass? <laughs> he was Steve-o. Uh, okay. Uh, then, um, uh, oh, also in the arcade when it's flipping out, a cigarette machine starts spitting out machine, uh, cigarettes at people. Packs of cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. Am I wrong in saying, too, that a hammock comes alive in this movie? <laughs> There's nothing funnier than havoc related comedy. I know. Somebody gets Jack Tripper. Did you ever see that episode of Three's Company? Yes. Oh, oh my God. How big did John Ritter's eyes light up when he saw that they were going to be doing an episode about? <laughs> I mean, oh if God. anything, they're like, John, what do you want to do? Give me a hammock. Get me a hammock. I'll give you 75 minutes of material. Yeah. Give me a hammock, five minutes. I'll give you the world. <laughs> Now, something, as long as we're talking about John Ritter and late 70s, like, the thing about when you watch, there is a reason why there is just a buttload of a cavalcade of stars who are the leads of sitcoms in the 70s who are titans, uh, Robin Williams and Henry Winkler, uh, and it's all because... 
John Ritter. Like, uh, Three's Company was like, John Ritter is like a once in a lifetime thing here, guys. Yeah. He gets a TV show that is on one of three networks that will get the eyeballs of a third or more of America because he deserves it. Like, so anytime you watch those scenes, you're like, that are like Mork being crazy. You're just like this, uh, deserved to be on TV. This person's talent was so great. John, John Ritter was pure joy to me. The best man. One of, I know people say this when celebrities die, they go, it was one of the few ones, but that was like yeah. really devastating for me because it was trying to get my mind around like, um, it's what anybody thinks about death. Like, why did a light have to get taken out? But when a light burns so bright yeah. like that. Did, did I have this wrong? Did he inject, I mean, Johnny Cash die on the same day? Yes. Yeah. And it was September 11th. It was two years after Jeez. 9-11. Um, and I remember cause I was in college at the time and everybody in the back room was really bummed out mm. and it could be, you were bummed out about both yeah. Johnny Cash and John Ritter, but, uh, you usually were one or the other. Right. Or, <laughs> yeah. I think that's the case. I don't think I'm misremembering. I think it was 2003. I think so I was working at Disney that day. Oh, and, wow. In fact, I had met John Ritter at Disney because they would do these ABC TV gala things there. And I like wrote on a boat with him very briefly i don't think i met him i just was next to him and i I was starstruck wait johnny cash no john ritter (gasps) you didn't say anything to i don't think so i don't think so no i don't know why i didn't i think that was just i just didn't want to bother him or something you know it was it wasn't like an opportune moment or anything um i've been thinking about how like oh how uh, when i've been fortunate to either talk to or just lay real life eyes upon um i was like with filmmakers oh there's so many i wish i could get my eyes on or see or meet uh but with comedy i was like i think i've pretty much anybody i really really grew up admiring who's still alive i basically this isn't a brag it's just I've gotten to see across a room and gone, Oh, it's cool. I get to say this person who meant so much to me, but the one person I'm like, I've never even come close to meeting David Letterman. Oh, that would be like the coolest. I met him. You met him, right? Because he did Conan's podcast. (sighs) God damn it. What was he like? Dude, you you always hear about how crabby and everything he is. Mm -hmm. He was so friendly, so nice. Just met him briefly. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to see him in a, that you're really, you got something special. You get to see him in a moment where he's probably like, it's not at a loud party and you're trying to like have a conversation. Yeah. Or it's like, a, and he is a, I mean, he's top five anyone in, in the entertainment industry for me. He's, yeah, he, I adore his work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's one of the, I, maybe we said this before, but it's basically, um, there's very few pre and post entertainers who are still alive. Yeah. And I do feel like it's like pre Letterman, post Letterman Mix that yeah. a little bit with like Steve Martin. Cause I think they kind of do the same funny thing, which is sort of like, Hey, showbiz is f- 
so stupid and phony, but let's do it as a lark yeah. here. And we'll all know that this is dumb yeah. and have fun with it. And that they kind of came up together. But like, yeah, if not for Steve Martin Letterman, where would the Simpsons be? It's just I like, know. that's a full, uh, but yeah. And it's part of me, even though it's almost like he's already dead, Chevy Chase because I yeah. adore '80s Chevy Chase as much as I can adore anything, but I know I know better than to meet him. He's probably impenetrable as a human being. Too. You don't want to get uh, slapped across the face as a <laughs> quote unquote as a joke when you meet him. You know that story, right? Like, no. Let people look up who the person was. It'll probably be easy to find. But it was a comedian who met Chevy Chase and said, "Oh, I'm." A fan of yours, I grew up really admiring you, and I, I don't get what Chevy Chase was doing at all. But in yes. his mind, yeah. he thought, "Wouldn't it be funny that the man you admire slapped yes. you? Gave me such a compliment, and my response is to slap you." Okay, psycho, but he did it. Who, who was the person? Uh, uh, just because I don't want to blow it. He's yeah. talked about it publicly, so you just have to go okay. Chevy Chase slap. But it's a. Oh wow. Yeah. Interesting. Um, uh, Matt's surprised here because they just said Cortland Mead. <laughs> so I'll just let you guys know I said Cortland Mead. That's who Chevy Chase slapped. There's no more fun name to say than Cortland Mead. <laughs> Shining mini series uh, of The Shining Star, Cortland Mead. Cortland Mead. Just what we did right there was a letterman Yeah. I went Cortland Mead. Like, that's how we're going to put a punctuation on it. I'll say the stupid name as if it has, like, God, I went to a camp once, a day camp with these kids. The camp were Benji, uh, this means pepper. And I was with two guys who were like 14. <laughs> they were like two years older than me. They so were obsessed with Letterman, but they wouldn't talk. They would just go, if somebody would say a word in the morning, that became their like Letterman oh, as buzzword that they would oh. say throughout the day. So somebody would be like, um, pancakes. guys, we're gonna have pancakes uh, for lunch. Actually, we're gonna have breakfast for lunch. I'll be like, breakfast for lunch. <laughs> and like twenty minutes later, they'd be like, yes, what we're having today, folks, is breakfast for lunch. And I bet they were the coolest dudes. They right? were. Yeah. I thought they were so cool. And you look back and you're like, what assholes? <laughs> they weren't. This means pepper. That's for sure. That guy was on a completely different planet, Benji. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know okay. we should talk about the movie. Brutal um, steamroller death, killed a kid with a steamroller. What total are you gonna gonzo do? moment. What are you going to do? 15 minutes in, I was like, this is amazing. Went a crazy. Um, when the semi truck attacked the traveling salesman. Oh, not when the remote control police car killed the dog through its mouth? Okay. <laughs> when that came on screen. <laughs> I don't know if people know this, but I got a little new puppy. Yeah. And I was Prince. sitting next on on the couch next to my puppy and petting it during the movie. And when that part came up with the dog with the face, my the dog looked up oh. and looked at the screen because I she's looked been noticing the TV oh more my than God. other dogs I've experienced. And so she saw, I think, the dog on the screen. And I was like, don't, don't look. No, it's just a movie. It's just a movie. That was her Halloween moment. Right. Yeah. She woke up me up later in the night, like tugged on my shirt and was like, can I lay with you? <laughs> oh. um, Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, no, that my dog didn't like that. You didn't like that scene. Um, the, oh, 
uh oh oh when the semi truck attacks the salesman i was like oh so this is like this is when i realized like oh this is just like duel yeah but with more colors yeah Um, duels this is like alien to aliens what i did think with that married couple showed up i was like oh that's like the perfect sequel to duel it's like a married couple in a just married car right like plus one of duel and makes it more like high stakes (laughs) uh but oh my god that just married couple i gotta say i mean what's so great about movies that aren't made by studios it's why you watch a movie like maximum overdrive is because no studio movie in the 80s would allow one of the main characters that you're supposed to care about ask his new bride his new wife if he could watch her pee (laughs) in the space of maybe five minutes you get uh, a new groom asking if his wife, if he could watch his wife pee, a dog killed by a remote control police car to the mouth, and a baseball little leaguer rolled over by a steamroller. You know, watching like 80s made for TV movies and stuff, um, and I watched one about the Zodiac Killer that was really good. Uh, that, uh, um, But like... I see how bloodless they have to be and non-gory. And it's helping me make sense of how gonzo these like De Laurentiis or the, um, uh, what are they? Um, the Canon movies. Oh yeah. Canon group movies and stuff. Like, because I think now with cable and streaming, if you want to, and YouTube certainly online, if you want to see effed up bonker stuff, it's just like a click away. Yeah. But I was like, watching made-for-TV movies where they have to pull the punches, I was like, oh, I get why you'd go and see Max. You'd pay a ticket to see Maximum Overdrive because you have a dog with a thing in its eye. That would never be on TV. Yeah, it's a lurid fascination and satisfaction. And Yeah. 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 Um, So, uh, Yearly, did she talk about how much she had to scream in this movie? I can't remember. Oh boy, that's a lot of screaming. She was as nice as could be, though. I do remember that. In her inter, no, this is with the hitchhiker in the Bible salesman scene. I did think it was funny that it's like, oh, this whole scene between the traveling salesman and the hitchhiker girl in the passenger seat, it's all held in one single master. I'm sure that was a choice of Stephen King, and not, <laughs> oh shit, I only shot one take of this. Uh, from well, this angle. let's talk about the cinematography because this is notorious. It's the same cinematographer as Silver Bullet, right? Yeah. Armando and Nanuzzi. Nanuzzi. And uh, he, uh, um, uh, this is coming up on the lawnmower scene that yeah. we're about to watch or talk about. So, yeah. What happened, Matt? They were shooting the lawnmower coming towards camera and he wanted to remove the blades, but Stephen King just said, nah. And so the blades picked up a piece of wood and a wood chip stabbed his eye and he had to go to the hospital. And initially I think they thought he was going to be okay, but he ended up losing sight in his eye or losing his eye and suing the production. Yeah. Settled out of court. But sued him for 18 million. 18 million. Yeah. And he said later that it had, it damaged his career because yeah. who would hire a cinematographer who doesn't, he said, have depth perception. Right. The fact that he said, can you do that? And somebody said no, and then it led yeah. to the consequences is bad. Yeah. It's like a low-grade Twilight Zone. 
of the movie. Yeah. I yeah, I thought that with um No, an episode of the Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw the um, Do you think that's where he got the idea for the lawnmower man, Stephen King? Oh Jesus, that's insane that he didn't write that. Uh, uh I don't know if he did that. But the um I did think that when the gas station exploded at the end and it was such a massive fireball, and you can see the camp the frame kind of like shake yeah. from the explosion, and then it does this sort of like hey, we have four cameras shooting this explosion. So get whatever coverage you can or something. But when it explodes, it's pretty bonker. Like no conventional movie. It's like it blows up. You see the camera shake. It follows the smoke up. Yeah. Then it comes back down off the smoke. And it does seem just like the footage you ask a cameraman, just grab different yeah. stuff. We'll never all use yeah, it. Yeah, right. I got that same thought. But they use it all. And it did make me think of, um, I say this uh, with respect uh, to the victims and all involved, but when you want, you can watch the different, eight camera setups for the Twilight Zone oh, movie accident. And it's the exact same type of coverage where somebody, Oh yeah. Uh, up until the accident where you're just kind of like trying to grab cool things, but you don't think any of it, but it did seem, I mean, and then, yeah, all the like near accidents and, uh, well, the, the explosion was so big because they had built that truck stop pretty solidly apparently like post and beam construction so they wanted to go heavier on the explosion to make it blow up mm. and i guess a bunch of windows were blown out in nearby houses and businesses and such yeah it's massive the other one that of a movie we've watched that is really crazy is the um friday 13th part 7 one and that one they talk about how they super charged it with explosives and it was way bigger than they thought. When you watch that explosion too, you're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, just on a plot level, that house <laughs> explodes <laughs> way more than like psychic power could do. <laughs> um, uh, so then Emilio, um, oh, he goes into the semi truck and finds that like Jack in the box toy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it did make me think, wouldn't it be cool if he found some Halloween three masks? Oh, yeah. That toy truck. I mean, maybe that's the most third grader element. I know. There's a toy <laughs> truck and you go in and there's toys. And an ice cream sundae. <laughs> ice cream truck going around. Yeah, that's right. Uh, um, I will say with the, even though it has a bad, you know, that lawnmower took somebody's eye. Uh, there was a really kind of like scary, like to see the lawnmower bloody yeah. before the attack is kind of terrifying. But it also is just like, how did that kill anything? It just, how did it roll over a human? The it's happening got it right. Cause it's like a riding mower. Right. But <laughs> this, this movie did make me think of the happening yeah. of like somebody thinking something's in the air that yeah. just makes people go cuckoo. Yeah. <laughs> That's whatever, probably, whatever, whatever everything got weird. <laughs> what these movies are the weirdening. Uh, yes, the dog with the remote control police car. Uh, we briefly talked about the the Bic truck. Yeah, 
Now, we brought it up with lighters, and I forgot they made lighters. So now that makes some sense of why a big truck was there. But when I thought it was pens, I thought that was pretty silly. Like, But I think it was because that's the Rollerball logo on there. That I, little guy with the roller head. Okay. So, yeah, yeah it's like, this truck think, stop, we got to deliver these pens. Do you think <laughs> – Dino's struck a deal with Bick. He's like, your truck's going to get to drive around in circles multiple times. Oh, we well. call it the Bick movie for you. <laughs> you and Happy Toys, which don't even exist, so people don't go look for that. They go looking for the big pins. Okay? It did seem like uh, yeah, pretty uh, uh, sweaty product placement. Yeah. Those those Bicks in there. Um, uh did oh when that guy got gasoline fired into his eye yeah and he was like kind of a monster afterwards were they trying to suggest like i don't oh, think so no that he's I got think been he's possessed just, he's no, just I in don't a bad think mood. so but was it gasoline or was it like crude oil that shot out of there it was weird it was weird it wasn't yeah. gasoline and that was also like a, they couldn't get it all in camera no the right thing coming out to the guy's yeah. face it was like it didn't quite work that after yeah yeah uh, the um there is a part where the bible salesman has like an egg sandwich in his mouth i know it's and disgusting he, and he comes out with it and he's screaming <laughs> while all these machines are making loud noises yeah. and i i thought to myself what if it wasn't that this comment is like uh, making mechanical things turn on it's just the comet makes everybody coked up. <laughs> even even the machines, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, you could make a case for that, certainly. It's like this guy's just eating an egg sandwich and saying, and running out and yeah. screaming at people. <laughs> uh, uh, why doesn't the radio communicator attack Pat Hingle? We discussed that. Uh, why don't the trucks drive through the truck stop and run over everybody? Do they want something? They need to make their demands clear. They want gasoline. We know that, but to what end? Mm-hmm. They just want to live or are they heading somewhere? Yeah. And what's the terms of the deal? Yeah. I mean, I guess they do say like, but do they fully say like, we'll let you go? They just kind of like give it to us and we won't kill you. Yeah. Something like That's that. That's not the same as no. letting us go free. Right. Um. So when uh, uh, the married couple does show up mm-hmm. and- uh, I did think, yeah, you say well, their car doesn't attack them. I did think she turns on the radio, and I thought, wouldn't it be funny? It was like, oh, the car's playing Barry Manilow. Oh. <laughs> or it's just like, next up on KRDT, your marriage ain't gonna last, doofuses. <laughs> that comment is a bitch. <laughs> uh, then... um. They once they get there, they have to get through the circle. Yeah. Of, so yeah, the semi trucks have said, "Let's circle the wagons," and they're mm-hmm. just kind of going around. Guys, you don't have to wait. Waste gas. If your gas is a problem. Yeah, can't you just park in a circle in a block? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, could literally fence it in. There's a lot of cars also that aren't turning on that you can kind of rope in and say, yeah. "Hey, buddies, fill the gaps here." Yeah. Um, but when the car had to like drive through the open gap of the mm-hmm. thing, I'm like. This is just an app game. Uh, I know. <laughs> it's just circular frogger. And then when the married guys, like when the married couple's car gets flipped over, um, 
by the semi truck, and then the semi truck gets blasted by like that bazooka. Yeah, I thought to myself, how did they pull this off in the original play? Because uh- <laughs> <laughs> I know it's all one location, right? That's well, why they made the movie the play. Oh, but it you, takes place in one. This place. was the Andrew Lloyd Webber one, so it was on the biggest stages. It was the biggest practical effects. It was oh, huge. So when you. Pay for your ticket. You're kind of partly paying for the big. Explosion. Yeah, they did pyrotechnics, and that was the thing. Like, remember, like everybody talked about the chandelier from *Fan of the Opera*. <laughs> it was the flipping just married car. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah. Somehow they pulled it off in the movie, then too. I guess. I mean, it's yes. easier with a movie. Yeah. Than, oh, uh, maximum Overdrive, the musical. <laughs> what is the? She says maximum, like, she's yeah. like, then I found out the whole world decided to go into maximum overdrive. What's up? Is it a play on there's overdrive, but just it's just saying maximum? It's kind of like saying very unique. <laughs> right? I mean. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, uh, what, what's another one that's. Uh, um, yeah, rarely unique is the one to go. What they should have just called this movie "Rarely Unique." Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so then, I did appreciate though when the they have that bathroom scene with the guys in the stall. I did feel like Stephen King was trying to like class up the tone a bit by adding <laughs> farts. <sound effects. laughs> <laughs> uh, so then. Uh. The Arsenal of Guns room. I also got Breakfast Club vibes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when they're climbing around, yeah. Oh, so there's a part where... um, That'd be great if in Breakfast Club they found an Arsenal room of guns. (laughs) They turned on the principal. Yeah. Uh, And what was that reveal about? It was sort of like, you're actually a college-educated boy. You're actually not a bad guy. Yeah, I, I... the whole character arc of Emilio Estevez and this girl, it's so hard to follow. And there's scenes I, um, you can't find on screen dialogue between them that lasts more than two lines. It usually cuts to something that they're looking at and they're talking over uh, all the, all their romance. It's probably like, cause they ADR'd so much of it and they had to find it in the edit. Yeah. Also a lot of people in this movie just look, Straight up wasted. Uh, yeah, I think. So, like, I think they just was get going on. Yeah. Comet tail. <laughs> Their own comet tail. Uh, but then they say, like, he says he froze like a rabbit when he saw the lights of the police car. Yeah. So it did seem like they were trying to build up, like, he's been a coward with cars before. Oh, right. Oh, like, this is his big call to action. Because they keep talking about, like, you're a hero. I'm not a hero. Oh, you yeah. could be a hero. But that only comes from her saying, you make love like a hero. And that's, then he's suddenly known as the hero. That's all he needed was the love of a good woman who told him he was good at the sack. You make love like a hero. That is the weirdest. Yeah. She's like, faster than a speeding bullet. <laughs> you came in and saved my vagina. You know that TV Funhouse uh, sketch that's really great that Robert Spiegel did where it's Superman with Lois Lane, but he's always talking about Clark Kent. Like, you should hook up with oh, Clark yeah, Kent. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I just think it's weird that you would bring that up right now. <laughs> uh, oh, so Emilio, uh, in that scene or around that scene, the whole movie, he's wearing like a white t-shirt yeah. tucked into like kind of light denim yeah. blue jeans, uh, light blue denim jeans. Um 
I just wanted to share one quick little story, please. Um, when I was, this would have been around 1990 or 91. It was whenever Patrick Swayze was the sexiest man alive for people that make for that. Oh year. yeah. Yeah. And for whatever reason, um, we were, I was 10 or 11 and I was helping my friend help his sister move some boxes that were still in his car to do a, in her car to do a final move in, uh-huh. uh, in a town that was like a half hour away. And I thought this older sister was so cool. Like most friends, older sisters, I had a crush on her on some level, uh, and wanted her to think I was cool. And, I remember we were bringing boxes and I had just, maybe she had the Patrick Swayze (laughs) magazine in there or I had just seen it, but I think he's wearing maybe like a white shirt and a tucked into jeans. And I was wearing like a white shirt tucked into jeans. And I think it was like the age of 10 or 11 where I was growing up and I could feel myself getting like muscles or something was happening to my body around this time. But I remember picking up the stuff out of her car and being like, I'm kind of sexy like Patrick <laughs> <laughs> And then I'd feel so cool moving the boxes from her car to her house. And I remember thinking like, I wonder if Chris is noticing how, if she's noticing how sexy I'm being. And it's now so funny in oh, retrospect God. to imagine a woman like watching a 10-year-old like nerd boy trying to carry a box and be like... Is that Patrick Swayze over there? What if this podcast episode comes out and you hear from her going, yes, I did. I still talk to her. She's cool. She's, uh, she's, uh, you should ask her. I'm, I'm still close friends uh, with my friend and he tells me about her older sister. You uh, should ask her. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, I guess like wrapping up here, right? Yeah. Uh, I've, um, I've only got one other note and that's just a question is, I'll save it for the end. Oh, do you want to? Well, okay, okay. Uh, 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 oh, the part where they really cut away from the two of them talking and just show, like, they knew they had a good enough special effect with that green trail, contrail in the sky, <laughs> that over that shot, you just hear her go, yeah, they say it's going to end in seven or eight days, but I wonder if it might end earlier. We'll see tomorrow. <laughs> That's like in anime when they dub it and they've got to get so much English in limited. Exposition in yeah. one open mouth. Yeah. Um, uh, then, oh, in addition to her calling him a hero, she also calls him a genius. Yes. When he says, uh, I think we should get on an island where cars aren't allowed. And she's like, you're a genius. Yeah. Um, this is written by a 13 year old. She would think it was a smart idea too. It's logical. No cars allowed. Don't you get it? And that means only so far, only cars have been giving us a problem, right? (laughs) Um, there's a part where somebody says, everything's gone tits up. Oh yeah. And I thought it'd be funny if Gary Busey was on set that day and go like, you know what he should say? I got a great ad lib. <laughs> oh wait, someone did write in. I have to share this from silver bullet. Hold on. Oh yeah. Uh, just a sec. Uh, yeah. Oh, another, uh, in the thing that we say about, Hey, signing up for the Patreon means you get first dibs at, um, corrections and like, Hey, what's that all about dudes? Uh huh. Um, 
Somebody, I, I knew it when we were recording Silver Bullet. I was like, we are not saying the name of the actor who plays the sister. I never said it. Oh, yeah. Even though we were saying everybody's names left, right, and center. Uh, hey, let's give a, 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 a shout out to Megan Follows. Oh, yeah, she was great. Jane Coleslaw. She was awesome. So I just didn't know her name because I've never seen her in anything before. Yeah, I think she might have been in the Anne and Green Gables. That was, yes. I've never seen it. From the mid-80s. That Oh, this is from Nathan Diffie. And he says, during the outdoor barbecue scene in Silver Bullet, when Gary Busey is getting up to leave and saying his goodbyes, (laughs) he addresses a young girl at the table as Garbanzo. It's not one of the main kids, just a random girl who does... (laughs) Who doesn't appear anywhere else in the movie, as far as I can tell. She's credited as girl. I don't have a question or anything else to say about it. I am not expecting a response. I just need to know that you know that when Gary Busey decided to improvise a name for this young lady, the name he came up with was Garbanzo. Ah, bless you. That's great. Uh, God love Busey. Yeah. You know, when you're saying that, him saying Garbanzo, I was thinking, um, I hope they use it as a... Uh, his in memoriam clip <laughs> at the Oscars. And you know how sometimes in memoriam clips when somebody's particularly classy or they had a, a piece of dialogue that yeah. might be relevant they, for the moment. They call me Mr. Tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like an actor might say, like, sure, we all die, but we all live as angels. You yeah, know, like yeah. they'll use that <laughs> if they did that for Gary Busey with this thing and they just lifted up the volume for him to go, Garbanzo. <laughs> There's an aside that Burt Reynolds has in Smoking the Bandit. Forgive me if I've said this before, but he's going to wake up Jerry Reed to go on this, this run. And Jerry Reed has all these kids and this kid just like jumps on him. And you can barely hear it because other things going on. He goes, I always remember you. You know why? You always kick me right in the balls. <laughs> it's just like background dialogue that you can barely pick out. That's but it's funny. really funny. That's really yeah. funny. Uh, uh, Jerry Reed, he's the when you hot, you hot. Yeah, oh, man. All time favorites. Cranking up that song. And, oh, uh, yeah. You have to. Yeah. Paul, we have to watch Smoking. What the is Bandit. my problem? I don't know. Uh, you know what? Also, a song I love on the way over here, I just cranked. There's a Dylan in the late seventies. He hit the road with a, like a gospel choir. Oh, cause he was getting into Christianity, which I don't like his Christian music stuff as much, but he does covers of old songs. Uh-huh. And there is a, a, like a Rolling Stone cover from that bootleg session. That is so good. Oh, I did this adolescent thing. I haven't done in years where I, Turned down my wind, rolled down my windows, and cranked up the volume. Oh yeah! And it was so disappointing, Matt, because everybody now has earbuds in it. So oh. it's like, oh, I can't ruin your life with my loud music anymore. <laughs> this sucks. How there's else am a, I going to show you what I'm all about? There's the sweetest Jerry Reed song called "A Thing Called Love" that I just adore. It's a like slow little folk. What's the idea behind it? It's just um, is he singing to a. A lady he loves. Yeah, just yeah, it's just 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 a simple love song. It's so great. Yeah, God bless. Uh, it's got little Jerry snaps Reed. in it. Yeah, his snaps. Good question. Ooh, what if there was a big controversy? Those aren't his snaps. <gasps> he he brought in other people. Snap. Menudo snaps. I mean, no, um, <laughs> Millie Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. Yeah. Uh, 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 okay. Okay. Um, the. They do that thing where the Bible salesman gets lured out and then they run over him so he squeals in pain to yeah. lure more people out. Yeah. Wrong choice with the Bible salesman. Choose somebody that everybody I agree, likes. Agreed. Um, 
when those culverts that go underground, those little pipes that mm-hmm. they, they keep walking through, I loved those as a kid, Matt. Yeah. They were everywhere in Iowa, and they're so cool. Yeah. Walking through a little tunnel? Forget about it. Uh, when they go into the shower room, did you see that sign that said Bubba's private shower? Yeah. That's Bubba's. You can't yeah. use it. No. Uh, also, when did they figure out at this point that these things are sentient? Like, nobody... Did Does I it miss not that? tell the Morse code? Okay. Like, where they go, there's nobody inside. There wasn't, like, a real scene where somebody goes... No, you don't get it. There's nobody in these trucks. Emilio right? Estevez comes back and goes, there's no one in there. Yes, that's right. And and Frankie Faison is like, how's it driving? I've got the keys. So there's, yeah, kind of a slow burn, I guess. Yeah. I, I just felt like they never went like, and this is happening. No. It does seem like, A, I don't that know was I never in the script. And even if it was, they missed it. They <laughs> They, we forgot that one. Well, I think they missed pages were not shot in this, you know. Uh, it's very rare nowadays that you ever learn a new tidbit about a movie you love. Yeah. But I have wondered before why uh, the pivotal line of Back to the Future is on Doc and Marty's backs as they go into your Whittier High School. Uh, is that right? Or is it- Yeah, Whittier High School, um, yeah. Uh, as they're walking up, he goes, don't you understand, Marty? You have to get your... Mom and dad to fall in love so that you won't be born. And I've always gone like, oh, that's interesting. Why did they felt like that wasn't clear? So they just add it in this scene right before they go into the high school. This guy who has this podcast, Jeff Goldsmith, he interviewed Bob Gale and he asked about that. And Bob Gale was like, I have to tip my hat to you. If I was wearing a hat, I would tip it off to you uh, for picking up on that. There was a scene we filmed between Doc and Marty where they make that clear. <clears throat> but they cut it out because Marty was getting dressed for high school and Doc was in the room and people thought it was a little weird what this relationship wow. is between this man and this high school student that Marty's getting dressed. Now, not only that mind-blowing, just like there was a scene that existed that deleted. Yeah. Usually fans get to hear everything yeah. that was deleted and taken out. A, that's crazy. B, it's the first time there's been any sort of behind-the-scenes confirmation. Like, it's weird. What's going on with Doc and Marty? Not that oh, it's perverse, yeah. but just like, it's never really, they don't get into what's happening. I know, and I guess I never questioned that because I had a sort of relationship like that when I was a kid with my across-the-street neighbor who is this old Missouri redneck and, you know, had some real backwards ideas, but we just had this kind of... Strange French abuse and like backwards man. ideas, like scientifically or like socio social culturally. Yeah. Okay. But was I it like can, apt pupil? Was he trying to raise you to be no, a Nazi? no? He was just a real. <laughs> I mean, Missouri uh-huh. redneck, basically. Uh-huh. And but he'd come over. He goes, "Hey, Matt. His name was Max, and you want some Pabst Blue Ribbon?" And I'm a kid. He's uh, offering me beer and chewing tobacco, but we would do bocce. We play bocce together. Aww. He was the sweetest guy who, he was just one of those people that was sweet to you personally and then racist. <laughs> just like no other way to say it. Like um, horribly racist. This, but uh, I was a kid, so I didn't know. I didn't know. I mean, I knew that was wrong and I wasn't that way. But I didn't know. 
I didn't understand like what that the implications the of dissonance that. Yeah. of this person I like and is kind to me, but then they have racist. Yeah, and I remember kind of uncomfortably laughing it off. Uh-huh. But it is funny in a way he taught me about racism in all the wrong ways. Like, yeah, he wasn't out to change my mind, but he did. I remember going like, okay, I'll take this thing from our relationship, but not that <laughs> yeah, thing, yeah. you know? I mean, this is um, a gross overgeneralization, but in my experience, it has been people on the right are kind and thoughtful to the ones immediately around them. Yeah. And fearful, hateful towards an unknown they will never meet. It's an abstract hate that they have so yes. often. I'm, this is a generalization, but I know what you mean. The flip side here, yeah. I got this when I moved to Los Angeles and yeah. I left the uh-huh. the right. Now, Iowa can be blue or red, but whatever it is, is the, it, I was more surrounded by conservative yeah. people. Out here on the West Coast, the left rude to the people immediately around them yeah yeah love have such open hearts for a group of people they will never meet yeah isn't that i'm not saying whatever about anything here i'm just saying it's an observation about like i've noticed that yeah Yeah. i'm like and i started thinking about it because who was oh dana gould said he was like oh i worked once with charlton heston he was the nicest guy Michael Moore was a huge asshole. It's like, yeah, that's kind of been my experience. <laughs> yeah. Conan on his podcast was talking about how he worked with Ted Nugent and he was the nicest guy. I mean, he's he's saying like, I understand this, what the world knows Ted Nugent to be. Mm-hmm. He's not even justifying for him. He's just saying, yeah, I found it really interesting that well, you he know, was so nice. Nugent pieces. I used to log and transcribe footage for um the ted nugent uh reality show and i found out later um, that the um uh host of the um rewatchables bill simmons or sean fennessy sean fennessy oh of the big picture yeah he referenced once he was like i once had to go and write a piece and i was went to texas or uh to be there while Ted Nugent was filming his reality show. And I reached out to Sean and I was like, Hey, I transcribed this show. Um, this who gives a shit. I'll say this. Um, probably on three occasions, I would have to choose not to transcribe the racial slur that Ted Nugent I'm said. Sure. I'm sure. <laughs> so yeah, he's a hideous person. He's a hit. Yeah. This is not to say it. But it is. I, yeah. I think it's that thing. I it's was getting, getting to the point. Saying, yeah, like how can you, you're kind to me? You hate somebody you'll never meet, and how do I rectify this as a per? I mean, you feel when you meet somebody and they have a reputation that you know is true. I know they were mean to a friend or loved one. Well, Letterman, and then is they're nice to me, known, and then I'm like, I like you. Le- I hate yeah. it. It's a shitty quality. Letterman's a known <laughs> grouch too, and he was so nice the time I met him. You know, and then you think about like. I'm sure there's just like people you've met in life where you've had a bad day and they just forever know you as a an asshole or something. Well, you know? I've thought about that and sorry, we're getting a little off the beaten path, but the like when somebody has a celebrity interaction, the interaction in itself can't be the story. 
Because people will go, yeah, who gives a shit? You saw Goldie Hawn at the bank. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. So you have to add an emotional element of it. And the emotional element can really only be two things to captivate your audience you're telling. The person was so nice. The person was such a dick. Yeah. And so those things, I, I'm i not defending celebrity or whatever. It's just like, I do think those... Somebody gets slotted into those storytelling formats oh, when yeah. it's like, I wasn't that big of a jerk to you, or I, that person wasn't really that nice. I carry it with me all the time, and it's just like members of my family where I like a cousin and her kid was kind of jumping around, and I called the kid a maniac, but I meant it because in my household, I'm like, you little maniac, you little rug rat, you little, yeah. you know, like it's a term of endearment. And I realized she looked at me like, why are you calling my kid a maniac? And I didn't realize it till later, and it was totally a term of affection. It's a little like um, the question you read uh, yesterday, or the end of um, oh, when we did the Gremlins two about Mr. Mom, about Mr. Mom, about how this person was like, "I'm being called a Mr. Mom." Is that uh, uh, are they trying to insult me? Yeah, yeah. Unless they're calling you Mr. Mom, like you're the coziest movie ever made. Now let's get back now, to another. Now when they do Mr. Maniac, that's when we'll, uh, we'll all. Um, okay. So yes. Um, the sewer tunnels that they were going through seem to be wood grained. You know no, that's because that. they're ply, ply, wood molds for concrete. Oh, thank goodness. So, <laughs> No, but true. I'm, I'm yeah. in the wrong. Okay. Okay. That's a common construction. For, you form it using wood and then the concrete gets poured in it and it takes on the the characteristics of the wood grain. You know, there's probably like 10 times per episode where I snark on something. Oh, it's like, actually, on, no. If you just weren't such a um, stick in the mud. <laughs> uh, 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 oh, when the Bible salesman jumped up at that kid, legit jumped. Yeah, that's a good one. Made me Because you think you're in the clear because they're close up on him and then they go wide like the Exorcist 3. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good observation. Uh, um, the um, baseball kid is upset about his dad's death. The love interest slaps Pat Hingo. <laughs> um, uh, hungover redneck saying, why the fuck? What the fuck is going on here? Uh, why was Pat Hingle coming out of the back room belting his pants? I don't want to know. Don't want to know. Good question. He's in his private shower. Uh, I liked when the mini caterpillar started bulldozing into the truck stop, the look in Emilio's eyes of like, we're effed. I think that's real. I think that maybe there's something. That's that, the thing that's in the notes. Yeah, I think I was trying to put that together, but they're not within the same shot. So I'm wondering why that would be. That's wild if it is, because it was so notable. Yeah. Because I read this, uh, the notes like a week ago and then watched the movie. Yeah. But when I saw it, I thought it was like just really good acting. Uh, yeah, no, unfortunately. And it seemed like the look in the eyes when the, um, Jaw starts when the boat starts getting filled with water and oh, the shark yeah. starts coming up. Yeah. Like, they are so after yeah, here. Yeah. But that's what I thought when those bulldozies came in. Um, <laughs> uh, squibs talked about the squibs. Yep. Um, My favorite is the entrance of the M60 little, the little military. It's almost like one of those railroad things where the two people have to yeah. push the thing down. It's also the, uh, do you remember the series finale of Breaking Bad? When yeah. like Walter White MacGyvered the trunk with the that. trunk yes. with the thing, yeah, yeah. The way people, well, that whole last uh, 
that should have been people going, what is this MacGyver bullshit you're pulling on me? And everybody's like, this finale ever. I'm convinced that show is supposed to end a season earlier and they talked them into adding an extra season on because it wraps up with. It does feel that way. Yeah. But the entrance of this M60 cart is so funny to me because it's like a character entrance of like, just seeing it coming down the road like, Oh boy, here comes yep. the Swede. Look out. Uh-oh, Beaumont Bears. You think you had a good before. Boy, you're screwed. Oh, yeah. Uh, and what is, is that a normal thing? I've That's never seen so- any. I've seen those on the back of Jeeps before. Why would it be on a little like luggage cart? cart. I have no idea. If only for it to become sentient yeah. and, and start shooting at people. Uh, um. Also, that thing would run out of ammo and can't reload itself. Oh, yeah. Like a little um, mechanical toy comes out and refills it. <laughs> there you go, buddy. Um, then that big convoy of death starts coming when yeah. Hell's Bells hits. Yeah. Um, all those trucks start coming down the thing. I did love that shot of when it was like all dark and all their headlights are on. Yeah. Going through I the love gray. the montage of them getting so tired from pumping gas that he can't even see straight that like, was a weird moment and it came after he was like got some uncut stuff from new york from some real east coast shit for your buddies it's like yeah. so dorky well that it's was like, just stephen king transcribing but it is like this the you know sophomore who puts up a yeah. black light poster of weed and yeah <laughs> <laughs> um oh when the explosion went off, it looked like a kiss show. Yeah. With pyrotechnics. Yeah. Like there was, it was uh, perfectly I know exactly symmetrical. Me. Yes. And they both go at the same time. Yep. <laughs> there was a center one that went. Yeah. And then two symmetrical ones on each side that went. Yeah. Together. I mean, it might as well have been an ACDC concert. Yes. You're right. Um, uh, I like the baseball kid getting back at the murdering his dad by shooting at that burger sign. And then the best part is. And now I never want to touch another gun. Like oh. the the moral implications of I've got my vengeance, but I'm not going to live a life of vengeance. That's such a I'm fucking genre make, thing of like, but now I swear off the gun. But that was the moment that I thought they should have made a sequel to this movie where the boy's grown up and like the comet comes back around. This isn't like Hallie's Comet. It comes every 30 years. Yes. And he's like, uh, time to face off again. Yeah, well, actually, you don't even need the comic because clearly it was a UFO. What the fuck? Uh, what did you think of that diamond ring that guy goes to steal of that woman's figure? Was that the most... <laughs> Remember, they're about to get away on the docks and he sees that woman oh, hanging out of yeah. the car and he goes over to steal her ring yeah. and because he does that, he deserves to die later yeah. when the Green Goblin truck comes. But uh, it's a total third grader piece of jewelry yeah it's like yeah, it's, <laughs> there's m- many diamonds on it. it should have been a ring pop <laughs> mary's into ring pops oh. now and it's totally bringing me back oh. i was like what's great about it it was candy that was also pretty much a toy yeah and it took forever to eat it lasted all day like there were the oh, teachers yeah. in class that would let you suck on that in class and those that wouldn't and so you'd have to like wrap in a paper towel for later or something. Yes. Oh my God. Matt, you are bringing me uh, back just to the paper towel rolled around the yeah. keeping. The, so cute. There's uh, a, there's a scene in the, do you ever watch a movie where you, you see one, like 20 seconds of something and go, the whole movie should be that. Ooh, when they it? escape the, 
gas station and they're just running through the wilderness with guns, this motley crew of truckers and kid. I want to see them traveling like 20 miles, man on a mission, getting picked off one by one by trucks. (laughs) Yeah. I did think it seemed like a new movie was starting when that caravan of people were trying to escape to the dock and stuff. I was like, I would have wanted to see a bit more. Um, uh, um, Also, when he shoots the car at the end, um, the big ending, he says, uh, adios, MFR. I was like, hmm. Couple years before Yippie Kaye. Oh, right. This movie beat it to the punch of silly or a fun way to say goodbye, MFR, before you blow up the thing. Fuck you, asshole. Who? Oh, that's the ATM. That's no, that's <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator. <sighs> Fuck you, asshole. Uh, the at the very end. Uh, it's just there's a shot of just stuff burning, and you hear an ADR. The kid go, "You think everything's gonna be all right?" The rest of us goes, "I know everything's gonna be all right." Well, if that didn't convince you, then the, the epilogue will convince you because they said the survivors of the Dixie whatever station are still survivors. Ooh, I don't like the implications of the survivors of the Dixie are still surviving after yeah. a war. Yeah. yeah. Get out of here. Um uh yeah, the the little thing at the end about the the crawl that comes up. It it was like Poochie level from Simpsons <laughs> of like I have to go save my planet now. Don't try to contact me while I'm gone. It's crazy. And I loved that fast times and credits font. Oh yeah. Like sign me up for some yellow on green. I know. That's uh, good. <sighs> What a fun movie. I love it. What's your best kill? Oh, best kill. Ooh, can you go first? Because yeah, I haven't thought about it. Mine's Squib Lady, just because I have such a history. It's so formative. It's really made me who I am today. <laughs> it so. did. Uh... Oh, oh, because I thought it was so kind of wild and sort of uh, is emblematic, is that how you'd say, mm-hmm. of the movie? Uh just an arcade machine firing out, like showing demonic imagery on the screen and then like shooting I know. out lasers is pretty. That's some Halloween three shit, man. I know. I, and we didn't really talk about the vending machine shooting soda cans too. And how you, that itself is such a great little. Oh, and that's too. how I knew this movie was um, truly like when it came to characters and stuff, it was going to be truly incompetent <laughs> because <laughs> even the most like, basic filmmaker would know i either gotta set up this guy as nice oh yeah so when the cans hit him you're yeah. like oh right. or a dick so when it hits me like yeah neither nah, you're just like, in the blanks. Him, you're like i don't know how i'm supposed to fill in the blanks man <laughs> all right out of 13 we both we gave dead zone i gave it an 11 you gave it an 11.5 silver bullet we both gave nines maximum overdrive out of 13 I think it's better than average. So I'll give it a seven. You're giving it a seven. I'm giving it an eight. Hey, all right. And that means it's time to pick the film for next week. So um, you may not choose. uh, Hold on. Let me just make sense of this. You may not choose. You may not choose number two, four, or five. Oh no, oh no, sorry, or nine. Two, four, or nine. 
two, four, nine. Any numbers but two, well, four, or nine. Let's go five then. Five is misery. Hey, five. All, All right. right. So from maybe the kind of the most exploitation-y of these Stephen King yeah. movies to one of the most Tony. You're right. And we've also been switching off, right? Because it was Dead Zone Me, <gasps> Silver Bullet You, Maximum Overdrive Me, Misery You. Ooh, a pattern set in the first floor. Can we keep it up for the next six? We'll find out next week. <laughs> yeah, two weeks. On with Gorley and Russ. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash withgorleyandrust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com, and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Gorley, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.